morning, dear listener. Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Suddenly, it's three minutes past six on a Monday morning. It was Friday afternoon a minute ago. It was Saturday for a while. Lovely Sunday. Then it's Monday. A whole week of this nonsense again. Can you believe it? It's going to be a cracking week. I'm looking forward to it, but, well, lots coming up on the show this morning, including... It's been a thrilling weekend, I'm told, for Luton Town and Milton King Dons in the FA Cup. I know nothing about football, as regular listeners will know, but we have experts coming on to fill in the blanks. We'll look at what the fifth round has in store for both clubs. Where do you think is the best location for strip clubs? Well, Bedford Borough Council wants to know. They may even ban them if you don't want them at all. And the first part of the high-speed two-rail line has already caused controversy because it cuts through picturesque countryside in Buckinghamshire. Well, now the government is to announce the next phase. We'll preview what they're going to say. Lots of ways to get in touch. You're beginning to know what they are, but for those who are new and joining us, I'll remind you. Uh, You can go to Facebook, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send us a text, 81333, start your text 3CR. Uh, and I'm going to stop reading out texts that don't have names on, I'm afraid. Because otherwise it's just... Like, but you just put your name on. Put a name on the end of a text. Otherwise, it's, I don't want to read a, a faceless, nameless text. The best way, though, to get in touch. And I'm feeling a bit feisty this morning. So, so come on. 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Boom shakalaka. Yeah. A huge weekend for uh, our football teams this weekend. Luton Town beat Norwich in the FA Cup. The first time a non-league side has beaten one of the top teams in the competition in 24 years. Uh, they'll play Millwall in the fifth round. And MK Dons have made club history in getting to their furthest point in the competition. They beat QPR and will now play Barnsley. Here's a little reminder of what happened this weekend. Well, one of the voices you there, uh, you heard there wetting himself was our sports editor, Jeff Doyle, and we've woken him up early to get him on. Morning, Jeff. Yeah, morning, Ian. There was a reason, you see. There was a reason for it. Yes. Wetting myself. What? what, what, what? It, it, everyone would think this was some big deal for football. <laughs> Come on, it's just a couple of teams have scored some goals. What's, what's the crap? Uh, well, the difference here this time is that nobody was expecting this to happen because a Premier League side and all their riches, like uh, Norwich and Queen's Park Rangers, they've got so much money and they uh, they have success uh, and they play against teams like Luton and MK Dons. Luton, 85 places below Norwich. Uh, and if you look at it that way, you'd say that they never stood a chance of beating Norwich and yet they went to their club and beat them. And, of course, MK Dons did the same at Queen's Park Rangers as well. So this is why it's a huge deal and it's been on the back pages of all the papers, uh, uh, yes, certainly yesterday and the Sundays. And no one expected... We'll, 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 uh, we'll talk about NK Dons in a second. The Luton mm. game, no one expected... Justin Dealey, of course, who's a huge football fan, yes. uh, we said to him, oh, did you go to the game? He said, I was working, <laughs> and I, I could have got out of work, but I, I didn't think it'd be worth it. I didn't think we stood exactly. a chance. No one thought they would do it, did they? No, no, but, um, and, and rightly so. I mean, I suppose Luton, uh, as a non-league club, are one of the biggest non-league clubs. But, um, you know, there's a massive golfing class here in between those two sides. Um, Norwich obviously weren't playing very well, but even so, for, for Luton to go there, I mean, it might have been a bit different if it had been at Kenilworth Road, because you've got the home support, but there were 25,000 people at Carrow Road, 4,000 of them were Luton supporters, and all the Norwich fans just expected it to 
could be a walk in the park and that they would easily win. But Luton put in a great performance and uh, not only went there uh, and uh, and won, but they did it in, in pretty good style as well. It was fantastic. Now, MK Dons did have a great result, a fantastic result. Does Luton overshadow it? Well, it, I mean, it does just because of the fact that this was a much bigger shock, um, you know, MK Dons beating Queen's Park Rangers there is a massive result and achievement too because QPR are in the Premier League but, but Luton are a, a non-league team at the moment mm. so when you look at the shocks and the upsets and there were quite a few as well in the FA Cup then, then Luton are, are the one that obviously will pick out so, listen, Jeff. I'm literally at the borders of my uh, football knowledge here. I've reached, I've reached the touchline of yes. my football skills. They have drawn to see which other teams they will play in the next round. Who are they yes. playing, and will the teams and the fans be happy with that? Well, yes. So, basically, they're through to the fifth round, um, Luton, and there are, what, uh, 15, 16 teams left in it, and it was basically a case of who are they going to get in the next round. So, you, most Luton and MK Dons fans would have been hoping for a you know, Manchester United or a Chelsea or a Manchester City, because that would have been a really good draw. It would have probably been on TV, would have meant that they would have got TV money, which is a lot of money. It could be about £100,000 on the TV. A couple of Luton, that's a whole big deal, isn't it? Uh, But they've got championship opponents, which isn't as sexy as it could have been. Um, MK Dons have got Barnsley. Barnsley are struggling in the championship, and uh, Luton have got Millwall also in the championship. Now, there's history with Millwall, isn't there? Unfortunately, there is history with Millwall. I mean, the, the clubs... We basically go back to 1985, March 1985. It was a sad, sad day for football. There was football hooliganism that... Um, well, it, it's notorious, really, because it was shown on TV, the match, and which is why it, it's well-known. Luton versus Millwall, FA Cup, quarter final people will remember it for all the wrong reasons Millwall fans were coming on the pitch and ripping up the seats and fighting the police and the other supporters lots of injuries um, to police and to fans around the grounds you know the area was wrecked cars shops businesses it was a it was a really bad bad day and of course after that Luton banned away supporters so it's a huge deal um, since then the clubs have met so it's not as though this is the first right. time they'll see each other and those were the dark old days of the 80s they we're, we're yes. better than that now aren't yeah. Yeah, yes, and, and Millwall have cleaned up their act as well. But it, it was, as soon as it came out, Luton, Millwall, I think most people who, uh, who understand the cup and also understand sort of Luton and Millwall will straight away think, oh no, 1985 FA Cup. This is the first time the clubs will meet again in the FA Cup at Kenilworth Rose. They've met at Millwall, that was in 89, but this is the first time they'll be going back. And it's a high-profile game. Jeff, very quickly, so MK Dons, do they stand a chance? I think MK Dons can win that one. I think they can get through to the quarterfinals. Massive deal. Very excited. <laughs> oh, Jeff, you're so excited. Yeah, of, course, of course. Go and have a run around in your garden and calm down, for goodness <laughs> sake. See you later on, Jeff. Thank yeah, you. See you later. Jeff Doyle, uh, Doyle, our sports editor there. I like a bit of Nick Kershaw. He wears a wig, doesn't he? No. That's, um... Oh, who's the fella that wears the wig? Hang on, give me a second. Cars. The Cars Man. Newman. Gary Newman. Wears a wig. Yeah, I know. Oh, I know. Let it detract from the, the beauty that is Cars and his other hits that he surely had. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Sex clubs coming up soon. Ooh, saucy. Not for young ears. 08459 455 555 is the phone number if you want to get in touch. You can call up about any of the things we're talking about. You know what, it's Monday, maybe you just fancy a chat. You know, I'll do that. Nothing on. Right. 
He's fully recovered. He's coming back. He's had all of his clothes cleaned and burnt. Jonathan Vernon-Smith will be back this morning at nine o'clock. Morning in Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Tun to tun to tun to tun to tun to tun. Now, sexual entertainment venues could be completely banned in Bedford in the next few months, according to the local council. A consultation has begun asking the public where they would be happy to see a strip club or lap dancing venue. You can also say that you wouldn't want one anywhere. Our reporter, Victoria Cook, has been to Bedford to ask people where in Bedford would be appropriate for a sex club. When I say sex, I mean, you know, yeah. Milton Keynes. So not in Bedford. There's enough pubs and clubs and everything here, isn't there? How would it make you feel? It wouldn't bother me, but I just don't see the need for it. Why not? Because it doesn't interest me personally, I suppose, yeah. Lewin, not Bedford. <laughs> Leeson, not Bedford. Yeah. No, I can't even think of anywhere, can you? Seriously. I wouldn't want it in the town centre. No. What makes you say that? Because I just think the town centre's got enough problems going through there at night. No, I don't think it should be here. I don't think it should be here. What makes you say that? The younger, the younger generation sort of taking an interest in that sort of thing and be honest with you. Um, Bedford has a notorious reputation for drinking at weekends and I think it could tr- cause a lot of trouble as well. We well, as far as I'm concerned, I wouldn't want it here. Definitely. Loads of people there bring entertainment, I guess. You wouldn't want it in a residential area because I don't think they would approve. Uh, so it would have to be where most of the entertainment is. Keep it central. And how do you think people would feel about seeing something like that in the town centre? Uh, firstly shocked, but I think it's just one of the things I get used to. If yeah. it's going to bring people in. So a positive spin on it then? Yeah, as long as, as long as it makes money, it's good for the community in the wrong way, but the right way. <laughs> what? What was that fella saying at the end? It's good for the community in the wrong way, but the right way. Is that, is that what he said? I love it when, when you ask people a question, they go, well, yes and no. But no, what does that mean? Well, no one from Bedford Borough Council was able to join us on the show this morning. They were all tired after going to a sex club last night. It's a joke. They weren't. They sent us this. The General Licensing Committee has approved a consultation on the draft of sexual entertainment venue policy. Public opinion is to be sought about whether to effectively introduce a blanket ban on sexual entertainment venues. Some people are like that. Upon the outcome of a consultation, a revised policy could be adopted in early 2013. So, this morning, I want to know... Sex clubs. Anything wrong with them? Is there anything wrong with them? When I say sex club, I'm, I'm being slightly flippant. I mean strip clubs and lap dancing clubs. Or as my mum calls them, laptop dancing clubs. Is there anything wrong with them? Where would you like to see one? Or do you think they should be banned outright? When I was younger, uh, so much younger than today, I kind of thought, yay, those things are kind of cool. Have them where you want them. As I get older... I still think, well, t- I suppose there's, a, there's, there's kind of a, a, a place for these people, but I wouldn't want it near me. I become more prudish as I get older. 08-459-455-555. Sex d- venues. What do you think? Strip clubs? Lap- laptop dancing clubs? Would you like to see them near you, or do you think they should be banned altogether? You can text as well. There's a new policy on this show, because we've got so many texts coming in that it's hard to wade through them all. So if you want your text to be read, include your name please. Otherwise, I'm not going to bother. Put your name on it. I will not read any more anonymous texts. I don't think it's fair. 81333. Start your text. 3CR. Should we have a quick look at the front page of the papers before we have some Amy Winehouse? Why not? The Guardian. 
call for new law to force people to tackle diversity crisis. Call for new law to force police to tackle diversity crisis at top. Bring in officers from all backgrounds, says Chief Constable. Police forces should be made to positively discriminate in favour of black and ethnic minority officers in the face of a growing diversity crisis, according to one of the country's leading chief constables. Uh, and rebels melt away in the face of the French advance. The independent... Oh, dear, look, this is Brazilian nightclub fire. 232 die. Incredible. Uh, and revealed how French raid killed 12 Malian villagers. The Daily Telegraph. Oh, there's, there's Prince Harry. He's been out on a bender all night. Steady. Um, uh, so a, a, a millionaire good-looking boy went to a party. That's the front page of the papers. And minister at war over cheating councils. Town halls showing contempt for residents by plotting stealth taxes. Um, quick look at the Express. Worst storm in years sweeps Britain. Floods, gales and high tides arrive today. The Daily Mail. 37 killers walk out of prison and flee. Dozens of dangerous criminals, including murderers, rapists and paedophiles, are simply walking out of prisons. Uh, And Harry leaves all-night party at 10.30am. Oh, my goodness. He slept over at someone's house? (gasps) No! And The Sun, uh, one pop star um, has cheated on his other pop star girlfriend and there's a picture of them in the back of a car. I mean, really? Come on, we can do better than that, can't we? 08459 455 555. Strict clubs. Where would you like to see them? Or should they be banned altogether? Text 81333. Start your message with 3CR. Text charged at the standard network rate. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Basically, a report sounded like that. It was awful. It was awful. We can do better than that, can't we? Yeah, so we're really excited that we won the football. Really good. Yeah, go football. Dear, I can only apologise for that. We're going to get that uh, cleaned and um, and uh, chucked into the bin. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up in the next half an hour. The government is preparing to announce the route of the second stage of the High Speed 2 rail line. There's already been controversy over the route for the first section of the scheme through Buckinghamshire. Well, the Bedford-based... Bedfordshire-based managing editor of Rail News, Sim Harris, knows everything there is to know about trains. He'll join me in the studio in around 20 minutes' time. And Luton Town fans, how keen will you be to see the Hatters play Millwall in the fifth round of the FA Cup? Well, our reporter, Justin Daly, has been finding out whether you want to go. Keen to get your takes on that as well. Listen, as you know, I'm not a huge football fan. I'm aware of the history of this game. And I'm aware that's what hap- what, what's happened. I vaguely remember it happening when I was a lad, and I've sort of looked into it over the weekend. If you were there uh, in uh, 1985, whenever it was, uh, how are you feeling about it? Are you worried? We're better than that now, aren't we? Everyone's moved on. Millwall are a respectable team, aren't they? What do you think? 08459 455 555. Well, it, it has been an exciting weekend for football, if you're into that kind of thing. Milton Keynes Dons will play Barnsley in the FA Cup fifth round after beating QPR. And Luton Town beat Norwich, and as you heard, will now play Millwall. The last time the two sides met at home in the FA Cup was in 1985, when there was one of the worst riots in football history. Uh, well, this morning I'm asking, how keen will you be to go to the game? Reporter Justin Dealey is at Luton Town train station this morning. Morning, Justin. Hello, Ian. You well? You didn't go to the latch this weekend, did no, you? No, I didn't. I was very, very busy. Got lots of things to do. But uh, looking back now, I'm absolutely gutted. Is it, is it one of those ones you, you kind of thought, you know what, I, I won't make an effort to go. There's no chance that we'll win. <laughs> I suppose that there was a bit of that in my mind. Yeah. But uh, I don't think anybody predicted what was going to happen at the weekend because this is the first time a non-league side has beaten a top-flight side since the 1980s. Wowzers. So, uh, 
the lucky 4,000 Luton supporters that were there, they were witnessing history. Nobody predicted it, but it's happened, and it is a magical feeling. But the, the 1985, mm. w- w- you, well, you weren't at that game. You were just a baby then, weren't I you? I wasn't. I started to go in 1985. Right. I missed that game. However, my dad was there. Right. I know lots of people who were there, and they will all say the same. It was an absolutely terrifying night. But, of course, that was 1985, and uh, this is the year 2013. Policing techniques have improved since then, so you've got to hope that there won't be any trouble. But and we've moved, we've moved on, haven't we, Justin? Yes. I'd like to think that we're better people and football... Millwall are a, a, a faintly respectable team now, aren't they? Well, Millwall, again, have made lots of effort to, to, to ban the troublemakers. So many banning orders down there. They've made a, a real effort as well. And I think if you speak to anybody who was going to football in the 1980s compared to today, two completely different worlds. I think we need to have a bit of a reality check there. Yeah. But uh, lots of fans here at Luton train station already, including Matt. He was one of the lucky ones. He was there on Saturday. Take a listen to this. OK, Matt, one of the lucky ones there on Saturday, how was it? Oh, fantastic, absolutely brilliant. As you can tell, I've got not much voice left, yeah. but uh, that was a brilliant day out. Didn't really expect us to come away with much, but to win the game. And you're wearing your Luton scarf for pride today? Oh, as always, as always. So the draw, Luton Millwall, your thoughts on that? Winnable, quarter finals could be there, so uh, I'd, I'd, uh, I'm going to back us to win it, I think. 3,000 to 1, we'll win it. Uh, but no, it should be, uh, I bet all the police are looking forward to it, but no, nah, if we can get to the quarterfinals, that'd be brilliant. There will be, I guess, an air of expectancy of maybe a little bit of argy-bargy, won't there? Quite possibly, quite possibly. I think if you look at Twitter last night, people have got their own views on that. I think that, again, anybody who was there in 85 will certainly have a view. And I'm not going to play you in some audio here from our radio car. A moment ago, Ian, I spoke to Peter. Now, he's been going to Kenilworth Road since 1967. He was actually there for the Luton Millwall game in 1985, and he's been telling me his memories of that night. Um, Well, it's just like going to a normal game, as you do. Um... There, there was a little bit of difference in the atmosphere. Um, actually, got hit with a pool ball um, on, on the head, but not. It, yeah, it, it was frightening. It, it was a frightening experience. But to be fair, it wasn't just Millwall supporters. There was a lot of London clubs uh, ganging up, basically. So, because of that night, will that prevent you going to this game we're talking about here, the fifth round tie? Definitely. Yeah, I'll, I always said I'd never go to. If Millwall will ever play at Luton, I'll, I'll never go. Even now, even, even now, yeah, yeah. Just it, it, it might, it might seem a bit sort of um, overprotective of myself, but that's just my thought, and I'll stick to it. It's just the thoughts from that night of what you experienced, even though it was 1985. It almost feels like it was yesterday. It's too painful for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm sure all those will be played on the TV as well. Yeah. It's very, very hard, Ian, to mm. try and explain to anybody who doesn't really know too much about football and who wasn't there that night what yep. that night still has, you know, the, the, the effect it has. You heard there from Peter. He's a mad Luton supporter, but because of what happened all those years ago, sadly, he will not be going to this game. And as a fan, that, to me, is, is really, really sad because this is a really, really big occasion, but he will not be going. Uh, listen, I, I can totally understand why if people were there, they might be a little bit wary about going. I suspect... When did this match happen? 
happen? The 15th? It's going to be happening, yeah, mid-February. I imagine that the day after this, or a couple of days after that match, we'll be going, well, wasn't that peaceful? Yeah. Didn't, didn't everyone get on well and play nicely? I'm hoping we will. Yeah, and let's not forget, Ian, that Luton have played Millwall many times right. since 1985, but, but this game, of course, it is so high-profile, so people automatically are going to be looking back to the 1980s, but they have played each other various times before, and there hasn't been any trouble. And with the policing techniques today, you would certainly hope that will be the case for the fifth round time. Are you going? Yes, I will be going. And hopefully, I'll be taking you with me here. Well, now, you you say that, Justin. <laughs> I don't, very kind of you to offer. But the, on the, the 15th, we say. Uh, yes, I mid- think so, yes. yes. I'm busy then. No, you're not. Come on, come on. Stuff. Get out of it. Come on, you can let do me, it. Well, let me have a look at my diary. Yes. Uh, let me look at my diary now, and I'll tell you what I'm doing, if I'm doing anything. You've been I'm... saying, take me to a Luton game. The opportunity, <sighs> the offer is there. I would love to get you along if for that I game. If I am free... Yeah. Hang on, wait, it can't be the 15th. That's a Friday. It'll be the 16th, then. Well, it could be the 15th, the 16th, or the 17th. It depends oh, for whether this game's going to be shown on TV. I think it'll be Saturday. I think it'll be a midday kickoff. That's just my prediction. All right. Um, if it, um, I, all right, I'll come. Hey, listen, you know what? We're all getting um, presenter photos done today. Yes, yes. I just wondered why you didn't make an effort. <sighs> I was going to ask you the same. You cheeky little sausage. Justin Dealey. Well, it looks like I'm going to my first Luton match, and it's Luton Millwall. Ouch. Uh, 08459-455-555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Were you at that match in 1985? Is it putting you off going? Or you think, come on, it's 2013, we're all better than that now. So here's a fun game that I played with my wife last night. Steady, steady. We had uh, people around and we were kind of a bit tired and a little bit ratty and we started doing the game that you should never, ever do. Don't never do it with company, but never do it at all, really. Where we started saying, hey, I know what irritates I know what irritates me about you. And it was all a bit fun. And then it got a little bit nasty. Got a little bit nasty. It started off as a bit of fun. And the, the first thing I said that irritated me about my wife was the fact she moves everything. I know where everything is in the house, but when I go to find it, she's moved it. Or as she likes to call it, tidied it. And it was fun, and we, we laughed at that, and it does irritate me a little bit. And then she kind of uh, came back with, well, you put your mugs on the side, on the thing. You don't put them in the dishwasher. It's like, oh, OK. So, well, you don't turn off the light in the fish tank every night. So the fish doesn't know if it's night time or it's day or night. And she came back, well, yeah, you put your feet on the furniture, and that really irritates me. And I was like, right, okay, well, you, when you wash clothes, you don't put conditioner in. And she then came back, what do you need conditioner for? I said, it makes the clothes soft and smell nice. It got a little bit tense. And a little bit uncomfortable, to the point where my friends did that joking thing, Oh, we'll leave, shall we? But actually they were thinking, Oh, we should leave, shouldn't we? It was a little bit uncomfortable. This morning, dear listener, what irritates you about your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband or your wife? And be honest. Be honest about it. Because I, I, I do think these things are kind of cathartic to say them and say, Well, you know, darling... Um, that thing you do where you leave the heating on all night and you think it's acceptable to put the heating up to 25, it's not. I think you should turn the heating down a little bit and put a jumper on. That's another thing she does. That it, oh, look, that, that buzz is my wife texting me. Uh, OK. <laughs> She's sending me more... Th- She's doing it now! A, a quarter to seven while I'm on the radio. She's sending me things that are annoying her. That annoys me that she would even consider that's acceptable to do. The list will come through. She said, OK, uh, I'm sending you some more things. After last night's conversation, I'm sending you some more things that are annoying. Maybe it's my OCD, but these are a little bit annoying to me. She's composing a list 
08459-455-555. Or send a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR. Put your name on. What annoys you about your husband, your girlfriend, your boy... Oh, hang on. This is it. You leave clothes hanging out of the washing basket. Yes, it's full, but they can be pushed down. Flippin' heck. 08459-455-555. I'm tempted to say what annoys you about my wife, but you don't know her as well as I do. So what annoys you about your partner? Uh, let's get the latest weather now. Sarah Thornton. Thanks very much indeed. I'm with your wife, Ian, actually. Uh, we start this Sorry, morning... Sorry, well, no, 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 don't sneak <laughs> that in. Think you're going to get away with it because I'm having a cup of tea. What do you mean you're with my wife? On what? <laughs> It's not fair. We've never met before, but it's just that. Yes. You, know, you when you've got your husband's attention, no matter if he is presenting a live radio show, you've got to get in. You've got to get in with the stuff. For goodness, get get on with your weather, please, Sarah. Thank you very much. How rude. I think we know what annoys you about me now. <laughs> if you finished. Thanks. Yes. Thank you. Very nice Bye. to speak to you, Sarah. You too. <laughs> See you later on. Bye bye. She agrees with my wife. Well, they're both wrong. My, my wife is now just texting me. I'm going to turn this phone off because this is soul-destroying. She's just texting me things she finds annoying. Why is this going on? Here's another. Putting mugs on the side of sofas. On the arms of the sofa, you put a mug on there. A mug can stay on the, the side of a sofa. Or putting plates on sofas. You leave drawers open. The drawers are such a faff to close. And what does it matter? And she's written, P.S. Feel free to tell me what annoys you about me. However, I imagine it will be tricky for you to think of anything. Unbelievable. What annoys you about your partner? It's an old-fashioned one. It's an old one. But it's also a fun one. 08459 or text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Put your name on, please. Otherwise, I shan't read your text out. Now, the government is preparing to announce the route of the second stage of the high-speed to rail line. There's already been controversy over the route for the first section of the scheme, which runs through Buckinghamshire because of the impact on communities and wildlife. Today, ministers will set out the planned route for the next phase of HS2, which will continue the £33 billion project from Birmingham to Manchester and Leeds. Well, Sim Harris is our resident train expert and the Bedfordshire-based managing editor of Rail News, the national newspaper for the rail industry. Sim, is this an, ex- is this an exciting day for you as someone involved with the rail industry? It's going to be a long day. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long day. What can you tell us? The announcement is coming just after seven, isn't it? Uh, well, yes, oh, 0,701 second as a, a sort of thing. We wow. should know about the preferred route, as you say. It's, it's north of Birmingham up to Leeds and Manchester. The Sunday Times yesterday has published a, a map, which may be right, may be wrong, mm. but it shows another little spur going off to Wigan. So imagine the Manchester route becoming a little Y in its own right. Okay. But whether that's right, I don't know. Why would you want to get a train to Wigan? Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> you don't have to answer that one. Is, is it, uh, let let no, me get the flack for that. No, you, you, no, you can have the flack for that, but I will say that Norman Baker, who's uh, one of the ministers at the Department for Transport, is in Liverpool today, I'm told. What they've done with the ministers in the department is send them out all over the place. Right. Simon Burns is, is holding the fort in London. Stephen Hammond is in Birmingham. As I've said, Norman is in Liverpool. And we understand that the Secretary of State himself, the boss, is possibly going to be in Leeds and maybe with the rest of the Cabinet. And that could mean Mr Cameron and Mr Clegg. But these are, as I say, these are speculations at the moment. We'll find out a bit more. Is this really needed? 
Same. Well, it probably is, because the, the, the real difficulty is there are, there are two issues. One is, yes, rail undoubtedly is greener than flying, and the only way to get people out of short-haul aircraft really is to speed up the journey. For example, London to Manchester at the moment is just over two hours from Euston, a bit less than that from Milton Keynes, mm. but it's still, what, one hour forty, one hour forty-five, something like that. Uh, a high-speed two will bring it down to about one hour and Ten minutes. Wow, that is significant, isn't it? Well, it's hardly more than the time you'd spend in the air if you flew. Yeah. Ignore all the airport stuff, security getting to the airport. So rail will then absolutely be the winner. So yes, we do. We need to bring together the north and the south better than we do at the moment. And also, we desperately need space on the existing West Coast line. If you commute from Hemel, from Leighton Buzzard, from Bletchley, Milton Keynes Central, any of those places, the commuter trains you are using in the morning and evening peaks don't need me to tell you are full to bursting a uh, lot of opposition to the plans from people living in the chilterns i'm imagining that there's going to be opposition to this next phase announcement as well i think we're going to see a whole cluster of new objections coming up mm. there's already a, a, a potential row in leicestershire about the possibility of the line running through a site which has been designated for a freight terminal and uh, there are calls there for the route to be diverted if indeed diversion is needed via derby now that sort of um, controversy is going to keep blowing up i think over today as we learn more about the details of the route it is only the preferred route it's mm. nothing final goes out to consultation uh, before anything else can happen uh, and it, th how likely is this to happen? This is this is going to happen, isn't it? Well, I think government is pretty pretty determined it's yeah. going to happen. Although Labour are making little rumbling noises about some details, it was after all a Labour plan when Labour were in power. They kicked all this off. So I think we're talking about a consensus at Westminster. So yes, I think it it probably will. Sim, listen, thank you for coming. In. I know you've got a busy morning. It's 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 getting announced just after seven, is it? Seven o'clock, pretty much. Some of it's been leaked already. You were saying that the, the website that's uh, embargoed a bit of it has kind of flashed up online. Yes, yeah, some videos which show some of the fly-past, as they're called, have already appeared oh on the DFT website. Oops, never mind. <laughs> uh, another couple of minutes, all will become clear. Same lovely Good scene. morning. Thank you very much indeed. 08459 555 is the telephone number. Are you concerned about it? We know so many of you in this area are. Well, it's gonna, more is going to be announced in a few minutes and we'll be following that throughout the morning. 08459 555 555. We're going to play a game today. It's a game. It's a dangerous game. It's a game that, that can cause arguments. It's starts off as fun and it causes arguments if you're married you've probably played this game before with your partner so what irritates you about me oh it starts off fun but as it goes on and on it becomes more and more irritating and quite dangerous oh eight four five nine four double five five double five what irritates you about your partner bbc three counties radio first for news so uh, Catherine, yeah we're, we're doing the it's, it's this cliche it's been done a million times before it's nothing new but the thing that irritates you uh, 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 about your partner my wife has just <laughs> she just sent me another one uh, you put your feet on the boy's train table it's a toy not a footstool oh, want no. more but then you've sent me a message i'm hoping this is relation to this i don't know what this means you've sent me a message saying track slacks track what does slacks. that mean well i think you and my husband both have the same uh, overly casual attitude towards behaviour around the house. I think that's what it is. My husband comes home every afternoon looking like someone from Mad Men, you know, very dapper and smart yeah. with a tie on. Yeah. He immediately goes upstairs and comes down Jim Royal. 
What's wearing wrong with these tracksuit bottoms that he doesn't hang up or fold up or put away. They just slouch down the side of his bed. He's just relaxing at home. We don't. <laughs> we've, listen, we've captured you beauties. We don't make, need to make an effort for you anymore. Well, that's how it feels, you know. Good. I'm sure nothing would you do irritates him. No, absolutely not. He has replaced the track slacks. That's the other thing. He's, like, determined to wear tracksuit bottoms. He had these ones that were too big and they were like yeah. MC Catherine, Hammer. Catherine, Like, swinging Catherine, down by his... Yes. You're going on a little bit too much now. Well, you open the Pandora's box... Oh, did I? Didn't realise. Sorry. Ah, dear. See, it gets people very, very emotional. What annoys you most about your partner? 08459 455 555. I'll be the judge as to whether it's irritating or not. I'll let you know. Um, Also, coming up in the next hour, it was an exciting weekend for MK Dons and Luton Town in the FA Cup. They both won and both have home games in the fifth round. I'll be speaking to Dons fans to find out how they're feeling about their draw against Barnsley. And where do you think is the best location for strip clubs? Bedford Borough Council wants to know. They may even ban them if you don't want them at all. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Give us a call, 08459 455 555. Or you can send me a text. New rules on the texts. Put your name on, please. Otherwise, I'm not going to read it out. We get so many texts, it seems unfair if they're anonymous. So just put your name on. 81333, starting your text 3CR. BBC Three Counties Radio. Huge weekend for our football teams this weekend. Luton Town beat Norwich in the FA Cup. First time a non-league side has beaten one of the top teams in the competition in 24 years. They'll now play Millwall in the fifth round at home. And I'm going to be going to that match unless I can come up with an excellent excuse. And MK Dons have made club history in getting to their furthest point in the competition. They beat QPR and will now play Barnsley also at home. Well, we're joined now by um, Adam Fares, who is the secretary of Milton Keynes Dons Supporters Association. Morning, Adam. Good morning, Ian. And we've also got... Yeah, I'm good, thank you. And Andy Cullen is Sales and Marketing Manager at MK Dons. Morning, Andy. Morning, Ian. Morning, Adam. Morning, Andy. All right. Andy, let's start with you. Quite a big day for MK Dons, wasn't it? Uh, fantastic, historic day for us. The first time we'd reached the fourth round of the FA Cup, and uh, to win a, a Premiership round and go four nil up was uh, was just dreamland. And Adam, you were there. What was the atmosphere like? Uh, well, I think everyone was very nervous, and especially after the first goal went in for QPR that was disallowed, and, and I think we all had our heads in our hands. But then, you know, moments later, when. Uh, the first goal went in for us. It was just fantastic, and then the second, and then the third, and then the fourth. I mean, it's, it's just indescribable. It was just amazing, really. Uh, listen, I've I, I always put my cards on the table. I know very, very little about football. Four uh, nil is a good score, is it? Uh, I think that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that much. The fantastic thing was that we were still four nil up with whatever it was uh, after eighty minutes yeah. uh, against a Premiership side, and, and and this wasn't a weak Premiership side. They were they were some fantastic players in there. Yeah. Yeah, with real ability. So, you know, it just shows what a fantastic team Carl has put together and how hard they're working and just the, you know, the passion and desire that they're really showing, which is just fantastic. Andy, 4-0 up, as as Adam says, you, you must have been over the moon. I bet you guys couldn't believe it. No, I think we had to keep sort of pinching ourselves as we, as we kept scoring goals. And, uh, and it, but even at 4-0, you still feel a bit nervous because you're playing against Premiership quality. Seven internationals in their team. Two of them have played in European Champions League finals and the winners. Uh, so there was always uh, something of a... You never take, you never take count, uh, count your chickens in this game. But uh, uh, they got two back towards the end, but it was just too much to do. And, uh, uh, and I must pay absolute tribute to 3,155 fans that travelled 
to Loftus Road from MK Dons. Uh, that in itself is, a, is another record uh, for us, and, 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 and uh, they were magnificent throughout. M- uh, Andy, uh, MK Dons did get a fair bit of publicity earlier in the, the cup run after meeting AFC Wimbledon. I'm guessing that this attention is, is, is perhaps a little more desirable and a bit more positive. Yeah, I, I, I think um, we've been on, a, on some adventure this season, um, and uh, it has uh, raised the club's profile. Um, I think it gave us an opportunity uh, in the earlier rounds to uh, maybe correct one or two uh, uh, bits of misinformation about the football club, which we were pleased to do. And, uh, uh, and for us to uh, for us to progress now, obviously going into the fifth round, the last sixteen, um, uh, some big clubs, and there'll be attention on on the club even more. And as you said, for for, for all the positive reasons as well, which is uh, which is great for Carl. Great for supporters, great for the football club, and 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 as well for Milton Keynes itself. Adam, the, the, the next games at home, how how much of a difference will that make? Um, I, I think it'll be good. Actually, I think this is. A, I think everyone, no disrespect to Barnsley, thought, oh Barnsley, but actually, I think on reflection, it's a great draw because it's it's probably the, you know a really good chance for us to go through um, you know to to the next round, which will be you know more milestones and even more historic for us. So, Hang on a minute, you know, Adam, I, that's I, that's. I, I, that's fighting talk you're saying there. You're, you've, you're writing Barnsley off. I, I'm not writing them off. I mean, they're, they're struggling in the championship. You know, they, they need to survive where they are. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a story of practicalities. But also, we've got such a good team at the moment. Um, and, and really, it's, it's really turning around for us. We've had, a, we've had some, you know, results that weren't great. And, uh, you know, promotion has got to be the number one focus for, for the team. But it's, uh, you know, we're on a... We're on a wave, and, you know, hopefully we're still going up that wave. As a fan, Adam, when you got Barnes there, I mean, it's exciting because, yeah, you probably stand a good chance of beating them. Were you not disappointed, though, that you didn't get a Man U or an Arsenal or something like that? Yeah, I mean, everybody wants those big draws, but, you know, we, we can play them in the final. That'll even oh, be better at Wembley, won't you? it? You're good. <laughs> Andy, Adam is, 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 thinks they can storm through Barnsley. Are you that confident? <laughs> Well, it's, it's, it's another game, and uh, let's, let's pay credit to Barnsley. They had a fantastic result themselves on Saturday, winning at Hull, who are towards the top of the championship. So uh, it's, it, it's an exciting game, whichever way you look at it. It's going to be a big occasion for the football club, a big occasion for Milton Keynes. And uh, uh, we just, uh, as I said, we've got every chance of progressing. And uh, if we could win that one and get to the last eight, then uh, that in itself is, is going to be uh, an, an absolute magnificent achievement. Andy, as uh, the, the the sales and marketing manager, you must have been a little bit disappointed not to get Man U because I, I'm guessing that would have been televised. And what you got a hundred grand or something for that? Well, probably nearer a million. Excuse um, me. Yeah, nearer a million. If you if we'd have if we'd have been away at Manchester United, if I, you'd have been away, uh, you've been away at Manchester United. You, what a million pounds in TV fees. Well, a million pounds in, in gate receipts and TV fees That's combined. We, yeah, oh, absolutely. What, what, what are you going to get for the Barnsley game, then? <laughs> Not as much as that, yeah. probably. Uh, maybe just a tenth of that. But it's significant prize money as well at this stage. So, right. um, you know, it's, it's, the finances are nice. But I think also it's about the dream, isn't it? We're in football to uh, create history, uh, to be part of a dream. And this is uh, certainly uh, one step in along the way to making that uh, dream a reality. And... Uh, for a League One club to get to the last eight, not too many clubs do that in, in, in their history. So, uh, fingers crossed that we can go on and, uh, you know, create more history on Saturday the 16th of February. Listen, I wish you, uh, the, the Andy and Adam, I wish you the very best luck. Listen, as I say, I'm not a football fan, but even I got a little bit of a, a, a buzz at the weekend with all the results. 
for you and Luton. So I wish you the best of luck. Enjoy it. Andy Cullen, sales and marketing manager at MK Dons. And Adam Fez is the secretary of the Milton Keynes Dons Supporters Association. 08459 455555. On FM, AM and online. BBC Three Counties Radio. So what annoys you about your partner's habits? I've actually had to turn my phone off. It was buzzing during that interview and I thought, I just can't... I can't stand any more of that. It's soul-destroying. It started out as a fun game. We had some friends over last night. Um, They were bringing boxes over. Why were they bringing boxes? Because we have finally sold our house and we are moving in a couple of weeks. Yay. We win. February the 8th. I'm not here. Where am I? I'm in a removal van. Moving house. Anyway, so they were over and it was nice and we we had some pizza and stuff like that and it was lovely. And then we kind of... So what? (laughs) Go on then. Go go on then. What irritates you about me? Be honest. Uh, And it started off as a fun game and it ended up with me not storming out. I didn't storm out. I will not have that levelled at me. But I did have a... Well, it's getting late now. I'm going to go to bed. And one of the things I'd said was... You keep moving things. I put things down, and I know exactly where they are. Put my keys down, my wallet. I, I know exactly where they are. Uh, and then my wife moves them. She tidies them up, okay? And for some reason, because I was, I was staying in Gloucester for some of this weekend, I've got my wash bag out, and I knew exactly where it was. And I, so I, I didn't storm out, but I said, right, well, okay, well, it's getting late. I'm going to go to bed. Nice to see you guys. Thanks for coming around. I'm off. And I did pull the door shut a little bit, firmly. And I, I went, I marched upstairs. I couldn't find my wash bag. It wasn't where I'd left it. I walked downstairs. Um, where's my wash bag? I've tidied it up. You see, exactly, that's what you do. Why have you... T- now my dramatic leaving has been weakened by me having to come back and asking you where it is. 08459 455 555. Sue has texted in. Sue has put her name on the text. Well done, Sue. That means it gets read out. 81333, starting the text 3CR. Tell your wife the things that you really love about her. That will stop the character assassination. It must stop now. Well, we used to do this. We've only been married, what, it'll be four years in April. We used to do this. We used to write... This is how romantic we used to be, right? me and my wife. We would write lists. A hundred reasons why I love you. We did. A hundred reasons. It's quite hard to think of a hundred reasons, to be honest. You can think of, like, 15, and then the next 75, it's... <sighs> you know, it's a real stretch. To, but we would do that... Okay, but now we're doing... Yeah, so this is what irritates you about me. I know one thing that irritates her about me is she hates things... She's a bit OCD. She hates things sticking out of drawer. So the drawer in the kitchen with all the plastic bags, we've all got one. She hates it if any of the plastic bags are sticking out. So one thing I did did to her after she'd really peed me off, annoyed me, kids, was I got plastic bags out and every drawer in the kitchen and every cupboard, I just stuck a little bit of plastic bag out. She were, actually went mental. There was a proper... I think there was, she, she was, was having some kind of fit. Very, very uncomfortable. But, but, but a lot of fun for my part. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. What is it that really irritates you about your partner? And be honest. And I will tell you if it's a worthy irritation or if you're just being a little bit silly. Now, sexual entertainment venues could be completely banned in Bedford in the next few months, according to the local council. A consultation has begun asking the public where they would be happy to see a strip club or lap dancing venue. People also have the ability to say they wouldn't want one anywhere. Our reporter, Victoria Cook, has been to Bedford to ask people where in Bedford would be appropriate for one. Milton Keynes. So not in Bedford. There's enough pubs and clubs and everything here, isn't there? How would it make you feel? It wouldn't bother me, but I just don't see the need for it. Why not? 
because it doesn't interest me personally, I suppose, yeah. Lewin, not Bedford. <laughs> Leeson, not Bedford. Yeah. No, I can't even think of anywhere, can you? Seriously. I wouldn't want it in the town centre. No. What makes you say that? Because I just think the town centre's got enough problems going through there at night. No, I don't think it should be here. I don't think it should be here. What makes you say that? The younger, the younger generation sort of taking an interest in that sort of thing and to be honest with you, um, Bedford has a notorious reputation for drinking at weekends and I think it could tr- cause a lot of trouble as well. We d- well, as far as I'm concerned, I wouldn't want it here. Definitely, loads of people there bring entertainment, I guess. You wouldn't want it in a residential area because I don't think they would approve. So it would have to be where most of the entertainment is, keep it central. And how do you think people would feel about seeing something like that in the town centre? Uh, firstly shocked, but I think it's just one of the things I get used to. If it's yeah. going to bring people in. So a positive spin on it then? Yeah, as long as, <laughs> as long as it makes money, it's good for the community in the wrong way, but the right way. It's good for the community in the wrong way, but the right way. I have literally no idea what that means. Well, over the last few months here on BBC Three Counties Radio, we've been reporting on a new lap dancing club in Ampthill. Matthew Deere is one of the residents and campaigners against the club, and he joins us in the studio now. Morning, Matthew. Good morning, Ian. Uh, remind us what happened the very first time you heard that there would be a lap dancing club in uh, Ampthill. Well, we heard the news and we saw the notices saying that there was going to be a public consultation about an application to have a club in the town. Uh, and I think, to be perfectly honest with you, most of us thought that it would never happen. Mm. Uh, we thought it was a completely inappropriate location. Uh, we all looked up quite quickly on the council website and saw that they had a policy which meant that there couldn't be a club in certain types of locality and we thought that Amptil was one of those. So I think, frankly, there was probably a somewhat muted response from the public mm. um, to the consultation. There was 87 letters and you can say that's a lot but the, uh, the other side, as it were, at the hearing were able to say, well, that's a very small response in a town of 7,000 people and I don't think it did us any favours. How, how the, the club is, is up and running, has been up and running for a few months now. How has it affected Amptil, do you think? To be honest, I don't think there has been a vast effect, I have to say. Um, um, I don't know that it's been particularly well patronised, um, <clears throat> but um, I, I, it, the one thing it did cause was a vast amount of upset, and I think the upset is still there. It caused a great deal of division in the town, mm. especially when the licence was passed against our expectations. Mm. But you've not... I remember, because we, we have been following this very closely, and there are lots of people worried that it would bring... Um, you, you're right, we've heard that it's not been particularly busy in there. This is certainly over Christmas anyway. Uh, but, but people were, were worried of the kind of people that will be coming into Amptill, what might be seen from the street. Is, is any of that happened or well i think um, interestingly that there, there has been um a concern about going out late at night partly because people are concerned there'll be a suspicion that they're going to visit the club right. if they're okay. in what is a public car park in the center of the town yeah. at that time in the evening they could well be visiting waitrose which is open till nine o'clock mm. um but the, since the club's open um from eight o'clock people are now not going to waitrose because they're worried that people will think they're going to patronize the club so it's, funny it's very curious actually uh, do you think this is a smart <laughs> move by bedford borough council to ask people about whether they want uh, sexual venues in their area and if they do where would they like them to be well i think it's an extremely good idea uh, every council has the power to set a policy about sexual entertainment venues <clears throat> that may include um, having no venues at all or it may include include limiting them to certain locations um, the fact that they're opening up to consultation is a very good thing indeed and i hope the people of bedford anyone who's got a view um, on any side of any debate um, contribute to that debate and shape the policy well, do you think people will contribute we talk about the the, the amp till situation and you say there are 87 letters which which could sound like quite a lot but but you know in in the face of things it wasn't enough mm. do you think that's that's part of the problem that people are um uh, d- too passive 
when it comes to these kind of issues. I think that's perhaps right, and I think that was something that we suffered from in Amptil. Um, but I think the, the message would be, don't be passive. If you have a view and you have a feeling about what might happen um, in your town, in your locality, possibly in your own street, then um, exercise your rights. The council's offering an opportunity here to have a, have a view, uh, put your democratic point across, um, do it, mm. I would say. Uh, do, do you think that there's, there's a... a a place for lap dancing clubs anywhere or would you like to see, see them completely banned outright well m- my own personal opinion is that um, i have a view against that kind of entertainment altogether uh, that being said i recognize that we're in a free society uh, the law allows them but i do think there should be legal safeguards to ensure that they're in locations where they have a minimal impact on any local population uh, and we hear that the lap dancing club in Amptel is applying to stay open later mm. w- w- what have residents said about that well, um, I don't hear anybody who's particularly happy about it. I think everybody is, uh, is concerned. Um, certainly the people who are against it being there in the first place are against it being open until four o'clock in the morning. Mm. Um, is that the plan, four o'clock in the morning? Uh, four o'clock in the morning is what the application is for, yes. Right. Have you been? Uh, I haven't been, no. Would you ever consider um, going? Uh, personally, as I said, um, I wouldn't because I have a view against that kind of thing. Yeah. I don't need to see it in great detail to know what goes on there and know that I personally have a moral objection to mm. it. Um, I was asked, and I considered it carefully. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not particularly strict about these things, but, um, but I, per- I decided that it's not something that I would do myself because I, I know what happens there and I know um, I personally don't approve of it. This, back to this consultation with, with Bedford where they're asking people if they would, be, uh, uh, would want a lap dancing club and if so, where... Do you think they're actually going to listen to the results? If everyone says, no, we don't want them, are they going to ban lap dancing clubs outright or the granting of new licences? Well, they can. It's happened in other parts of the country. Uh, amazingly, it's happened in the city of London, where I work. Mm. There, are, um, there are, were two operational lap dancing clubs, and they set a nil policy. And when those licences expire, it won't be possible to get a new one. And I think they're, they're sticking to that quite strictly. Um, one would hope that whatever the results are, Bedford Borough Council will listen to them. They have the power to do it. But then um, in Amptil, we believed that the, uh, the licence in Amptil was a violation of Central Bedfordshire council's policy and yet they still saw fit to grant the license so i would urge some caution uh, and if an individual application comes forward even if there's a nil policy mm. it's important to get involved and not be complacent and say well the policy's against it so it won't happen which is what we did uh, it seems it must be frustrating that this is happening now after you've got your lap dancing club your lap dancing club it was not, not yours but it must seem frustrating that they're, they're, they're doing this now but it seems a little bit too late perhaps well i think w- we would have liked the opportunity to have this kind of a consultation in central bedfordshire and we didn't we had one application and people were all at sea and didn't really respond to it properly and then we ended up landed with something that it, it was clear at least three thousand people didn't want because that's the number that signed mm. the petition against it um would um people have responded to an opportunity to be consulted on this um i don't know perhaps not without the shock that we've uh, we've, we've experienced i think if there was a consultation now we certainly would mm. uh, i hope the people of bedford will, will look at what happened to us and if they've got a view um take the trouble to express it matthew thank you very much for coming in and uh, the, the amptil story is one that we we have been following and we will continue to follow and we'll also follow this so thanks very much for your time oh wait four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you've got a view on that across beds hearts and bucks this is ian lee on bbc three counties radio there we go, you see. Now, I've, I have, I'm, I'm terrified to switch my phone on. In case my wife has texted me more things that she finds annoying with me, I'll switch it on, we'll, we'll see. It's, it's studio etiquette, you don't have your phone on in the studio, but sometimes. Particularly when your wife is telling you that you are rubbish at everything you do, and you kind of think, well, why on earth? Why, why did we get married? What, what was that all about? Producer Laura, you, you were just telling me, Producer Laura, that you, you do the same thing as my wife, you move things. Oh, hang on, where are you? You're not on that microphone. You've disappeared. Or maybe we can't speak to you. Isn't that a shame? None of those microphones seem to... Try that one. Try that one. Look, this is exciting. No, you've gone. You've absolutely gone. No, not a clue where you are. That's a shame, isn't it? 
Not really, because she was just going to agree with my wife. I think it is a bloke thing. Blokes, that we have a filing system in our head where we put things down, and I know exactly where they are. I know exactly where they are. But then you, you, you go off and, uh, and tidy them. And, oh, it's tidy now. It's, it's not tidy because I don't know where things are. It can only be tidy if I know where things are. Front pages in the newspaper. I'm getting angry now. I was in a good mood this morning, and now I'm getting furious. Let's have a little look at the front pages, shall we? Yes, it'd be rude not to. Um, the Independent revealed how French raid killed 12 Malian villagers. Witnesses described the moment civilians fell victim to a helicopter attack. Uh, Tory anger at rail route. Well, that's the story we were talking about earlier on. Um, and prepare for an era of coalition, say Lib Dems. Liberal Democrat leaders want all three main parties to draw up a slimline manifesto for an era of coalition politics, as well as an age of austerity. At the 2015 general election, the Daily Telegraph. Minister at war over cheating councils. Councils are treating local residents with contempt and will be cheating taxpayers if they increase local taxes without public backing, the local government secretary warns today. And the Conservative MPs, this is a Tory MPs, hold secret talks over next leader. And they've got this fella who was being billed as um, who's the British Obama. D- that's just because he was black, yeah? Is that, is, was that, I, that, I read the stories and I could, could only... The only connection I could see between him and Obama was that they were black. The British Obama. He's black, right? That's it, isn't it? Uh, the Guardian... Uh, call for new law to force police to tackle diversity crisis. Romanian or Bulgarian, you won't like it here. Please don't come to Britain. It rains and the jobs are scarce and low paid. Ministers are considering launching a negative advertising campaign in Bulgaria and Romania to persuade potential immigrants to stay away from the UK. The plan, which would focus on the downsides of British life, is one of a range of potential measures to stem immigration to Britain next year when curbs imposed on both countries' citizens living and working in the UK will expire. Wowzers. Uh, the Daily Express. Worst storming years sweeps Britain. Floods, gales and high tides arrive today. Britain was placed on major flood alert last night after torrential rain, melting snow and 80 mile per hour winds brought chaos to vast areas. After two weeks of ice and heavy snow cost the country an estimated £4 billion, a double weather bomb, one of the worst Atlantic storms in decades, swept in, bringing nearly two inches of... A double weather bomb? Wowzers. Uh, And there's a picture of Nigella Lawson in a red dress that makes her boobs look big. The Daily Mail. 37 killers walk out of prison free. And Prince Harry leaves an all-night party at 10.30am. Oh, no. A multi-millionaire went to a party and slept over. After four and a half months in Afghanistan, he must have a lot of catching up to do. No surprise, then, that Prince Harry spent his first weekend of freedom after returning to the UK enjoying himself at an all-night party. The third in line to the throne joined a gang of friends in Fulham, south-west London, for a spirited welcome home bash that went on until 10.30 the following morning. Earlier on Saturday night, the prince and his friends were apparently seen in the Brown Cow Pub in Fulham Road. The group were described by onlookers as lively. Some soldiers going out drinking in a pub in London, and they were lively. And the sun... Um, a pop star has cheated on his pop star girlfriend, and they're in the back of a cab... Looking a little bit miserable. There we go. There we go. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 
Boom shakalaka, boom shakalaka. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, uh, tonight on BBC Three, there's an hour-long documentary following Prince Harry during his five-month tour of Afghanistan. Afghanistan. Uh, Richard Bacon is presenting it, and he'll be on this programme in a minute or two. And Luton Town fans, how keen will you be to see the Hatters play Millwall in the fifth round of the FA Cup? Reporter Justin Dealey has been finding out whether you want to go. I'm going. My first ever football match is Luton versus Millwall. What, what could possibly go wrong? Uh, now, tonight on BBC Three, there is an hour-long documentary following Prince Harry during his five-month tour of Afghanistan. The MOD agreed access to Harry as he went about his work as an attack helicopter co-pilot. It features footage of Harry at work, but also film of him as he lives the normal life of a soldier, relaxing and socialising with colleagues. In the programme, Lieutenant, Lieutenant, I'm never quite sure what we say in this country. Let's say Lieutenant, Colonel Bill Connor, pays tribute to Harry. This young man who could have done anything, could have stayed in the UK and, and, and done whatever, decided to put his life in the line, go to the most austere part of Afghanistan, not as a press stunt because it was where he wanted to be and lead by example and that's a story that's got to be told with all the other stuff and I think taking his life as a whole, he's a man that that deserves our respect and and honour for what he's done. Prince Harry tells the media the army is the one place where he doesn't feel different. But it's very easy to, to, to completely forget about who I am when I'm in the army. Everyone's wearing the same uniform and doing the same kind of thing and all the officers get called sir you know and, it, and it's great fun i get on well with the lads and I, I enjoy my job the program's presenter richard bacon flew out to afghanistan while harry was there and took the opportunity oh look at this to get inside one of the apache helicopters flown by the prince away from the chasing media pack and his public profile you get the feeling that sitting here in this cockpit is where harry is actually at his happiest and richard bacon joins me now morning richard morning ian how are you i'm good i like you i think you're brilliant <laughs> I do, I think you're brilliant. You. I think you make good Don't documentaries. This must have been very exciting, going out to Afghanistan. Well, the, the best bit was flying out there. The military flew me out there, and I had to go on a transport plane, filled with lots of other soldiers, and to land in Camp... So Camp Bastion is in the middle of Helmand. It's not on the edge of Afghanistan. And to land there, so they don't get shot out of the sky, they only land at night, they turn all the lights off on the plane, you have to put body armour on, Ooh. and it, they dive-bomb the airport, which is... It ought to be scary, because there's a possibility you're going to get blown up, but in reality, it's thrilling. <laughs> really? Well, you know, I would be so terrified of the whole experience. Were you not? Are you, are you, no, because we, yes, you're apprehensive before you go. And actually, when you get to Camp Bastion, it's enormous, Camp Bastion. There's 30,000 yeah. people there. It's about the size of Reading. And actually, you just feel very safe. And I was struck by... I wouldn't feel secure. safe in Reading, to be honest. No, no, no it's far more hospitable <laughs> yes. than Reading. Good. <laughs> Certainly better places to eat. Um, but I, you're struck by actually how the, the amount of downtime. So these soldiers live a life of periods where they have maximum danger and the guys who are actually out on the front line are in the most danger but a lot of the guys in bastion a lot of the, for much of the time it's just quite mundane what do they do to you, fill their time because you, you must be boring they play computer games so they play call of duty and really? FIFA. i went into the naffy which is their sort of social club yeah. and there's a strange site where the soldiers have propped their real guns up against the wall whilst they're playing Call of Duty, which just goes to show what I've always feared, Ian, which is that killing people in real life is really desensitising young men to the horrors of artificial violence. Uh, how did you get this gig? Did you come up with the idea or were you asked? <laughs> how th- uh, I was asked. I, I've, I've, made, I've done some stuff at BBC Three. I made a documentary for them about trolling last which year. Which was excellent. Oh, thank you very much. It was really good. And so, uh, yeah, so I got asked to do this. The truth of the matter is, this is more of a straight presenting job. A lot of the footage is 
it's all, it almost feels like a fly on the wall. Yeah. And um, we've put, there's a lot of it, he's kind of led by Harry, and you do get, I think, a good sense of both what his life is like out there and what life is like for regular soldiers in Bastion. Um, and that's got little to do with me, but a lot to do with the footage that has been captured over the last few months. Did you get to meet Prince Harry? I, yes, I did get to meet him briefly, but for technical reasons, I wasn't allowed to do the interview. It's a, it's a strange, it was more of an internal BBC thing that I, you can sort of imagine the politics, Ian, but yeah. would not for a minute want to be bored by them. No, okay. But what, what was he like for the, the, the brief time you had with him? He, he, yeah, yeah he's, a very, look, he's a very nice and genial chap, and he is, a, a lot of the reports last week made the point that, well, he's just a, a regular soldier. And that is both true and not true. He has regular security out there. He has, you know, royal protection out there. And so he's got two guys that follow him around everywhere he goes. He's treated a bit like a celebrity. When he goes into the canteen, everyone gawps and, and stares at him. Do they? Uh, yeah. Because the, the impression we've got is that, yeah, hey, he's just a normal guy. He's just uh, yeah. Officer Wales or whatever he is. Yeah, it's not 100% true. Right. You, a lot of the soldiers don't know each other because they come from all different regiments all over the UK. So those that work with him are obviously treated with a degree of normality. But the regular, the other guys see him, I think, as being a bit of a celebrity. How funny. Um, where he is, where, you, where he is treated normally is when he's in his helicopter, he flies an Apache helicopter and he operates the gun on there. And once he leaves the base, he can't have any special protection. So the job he does is legitimate. It's not the most dangerous job out there, but there is, it is dangerous. Of course it's dangerous. He's flying a helicopter above insurgents and, and members of the Taliban. So at that point, he is normal. Richard, finally, it's on BBC Three uh, tonight. Uh, what time is it on? It is at 9pm, Ian, on BBC Three. Richard Bacon, lovely to talk to you. Take care. Ta-ta. Thank you. There we go, Richard Bacon, uh, BBC Three documentary. 9pm, Prince Harry uh, and his, uh, his five-month tour of Afghanistan. The BBC in beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. MK Dons will play Barnsley in the FA Cup fifth round after beating QPR. Luton Town beat Norwich and they're going to play Millwall. The last time the two sides met at home in the FA Cup uh, was in 1985 when there was one of the worst riots in football history. Well, this morning we're asking how keen will you be to go to the game? Justin Dealey, our uh, football correspondent, is, is out at Luton train station this morning. And Justin, you've talked me into it. This, this could potentially yes. be the first football game I ever go to, <laughs> Luton Town versus Millwall. And one that you won't forget as well. I think the atmosphere for this game is going to be... Absolutely incredible. If anybody doubted the magic of the FA Cup, this weekend has been one of the best weekends I can remember for a long, long time. Uh, Luton, of course, pulling off such a, a big shot, going to Norwich in the Premier League and beating them. It's the first time since the 1980s, Ian, that that has happened. So history was well and truly made. But in saying that, uh, yesterday when that draw was made, Luton versus Millwall, everyone immediately thinks back to 1985 and the terrible events of that night. So, will this fixture put people off going? I've been talking to people here at Luton train station this morning and this is what they've had to say. Okay, Mark, so uh, Luton versus Millwall, what's your reaction to that tie? Interesting, bearing in mind the kind of history. Um, I come from that part of town, down in, down in South London myself, and I remember the last time that you know, watching the, the pictures on News at 10. Um, so I think there's going to, you know, I think there's going to be, the police are going to be concerned, I think there's going to be a big police presence, but but, you know, at the end of the day, times have times changed. You know, things, people have moved on, fans have moved on. You don't kind of see a lot of that kind of stuff anymore. But, yeah, I think, to be fair, Millwall have had a bit of a bad press, and I think it'll, I think it'll go off without too much trouble. Well, you can talk from both sides here, because you now live in Luton, and you know here in Luton that they've tried to get rid of the troublemakers. It's the same in Millwall. A lot of people are banned anyway, aren't they? That's right, and, and I'm sure there'll be sort of strong ticket restrictions. I'm not sure, you know, obviously it's the FA Cup, so there's a sort of certain, a certain amount of tickets that, that do have to be set aside, but 
I think, you know, look at the positives. You know, you've got another championship team, you're at home, had a couple of blinding results. They should be looking at, you know, they can progress from here. Angela, you didn't go to the game back in 1985, but you lived just around the corner. What's your memories of that night? We could hear the commotion, but we couldn't realise what was going on until the next morning when we realised that there was... um, trouble at the grounds and that uh, we got a lot of trouble as a club for that but I didn't think it was quite fair because it was Millwall that started it. Will that game back in 85 put you off going to the new game the fifth round time? No not at all we're looking forward to it we've been away to Millwall since then and we're fine it's been absolutely fine when it's policed correctly we've got no worries. Well, here's Nick. Nick big Luton Town supporter some people are concerned there may be trouble do you think there will be trouble at this game? Of course I think there will be trouble at this game. And tell us why. Because there's two passionate teams that want to back their own club. Do you think this tie will put a lot of fans off from going that are not interested in trouble whatsoever? Most probably yes but then again you've got the true fans uh, back in their teams. Would a true fan really go to a game to cause trouble? Not really, no. But then again, you've got the ones where they're passionate, so they want to sit behind their team, whatever the cause is. Do you think the police will have everything under control? They should do, yes, but there was going to be a bit of trouble. You can always tell it's a big team, so it should be good fun. Oh, Justin, I want to think that we're better than that. It's 2013, everyone's mm. grown up, everyone's different. The attitude from football fans is different, isn't it? There won't be any trouble, will there? Well, you certainly hope not. Um, certainly, police techniques have come a long way. You know, let's be brutally honest about this right now. There will be a few people who are very, very excited about this game because there could be trouble. But, again, let's get this back into reality here. Those people are such a small minority and when you go to, to football games now it's very much a family atmosphere you cannot even compare what happened in 1985 to, to to this year 2013 going to football now is a big family day out the police are on top of absolutely everything with intelligence and Luton have played Millwall several times since 1985 yes not in the FA Cup and uh, such a high profile game as this but but they have played each other and there hasn't been any trouble but but those people saying yes it's going to be a great day in i can assure you right now they are certainly in the minority most people i've spoken to this morning are looking forward to it it's going to be a great atmosphere and again it's a chance for luton to progress who would have thought that a non-league side could have a chance of of going to the quarterfinals of the fa cup they've already beaten wolves a championship side millwall again a championship side there's no reason why the town shouldn't go and look forward to it and beat millwall it should be a brilliant day just going off on a very slight tangent, Justin. Last yes. night, my wife and I were playing a game. <laughs> not, no, not that one. No, not that one. Uh, where we were just we were saying to each other, "Go on, what what irritates you about me?" And it started. <laughs> no, I know. And it started off as a bit of fun, and it did get quite yeah, heated. Yeah. Some of the things that I do that, sh- that irritate my wife uh, are putting putting cups on the arm of the sofa. What's wrong with that? <laughs> it's a manly thing. It's to a do. manly thing. To That's do. what us men do. We enjoy doing that. Of What's course. The problem. I'm, I'm putting my feet. Oh, the kids have got like a table where they put their trains on. I put my feet on it sometimes well i'm tall it's almost yeah. a disability the things that she does she moves stuff whenever i put it down i can never find anything yeah is there anything that, that irritates you about your missus or vice versa um, yes in actual fact it's um she's not listening don't no, worry no she's not actually no. uh, i play her though um yeah <laughs> <laughs> the thing that gets me about her is the cooking because you may have this lovely meal yeah. but some things are hot and some things are mediocre and some things are cold so you, your peas might be cold you <laughs> Your chips might be hot and your steak is medium. That's not good enough for me. 
thing, another thing my wife does is we get takeaway, like pizza mm. or curry or something. There's nothing better than having cold curry or cold pizza for breakfast or lunch <laughs> the next day. She chucks it away. No, listen. She throws the leftovers you, away. You cannot throw food away. If it's good enough, put it in the microwave. <laughs> away you go. Happy days. Justin Dealey. Thank you very much indeed. And coming up, we'll be talking to relationship expert Diana Parkinson about whether it was unwise for me and my wife to discuss what we find annoying about each other. Started off as a fun game, it ended in tears. Well, someone who's enjoyed those tears and sides with my wife is uh, weather expert Sarah Thornton. Let's see what she's got to say, shall we? Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm an expert in nothing. That's what I've got to say about that. Ian. I've got to ask you, Sarah, I don't know if you're married or if you have a partner or whatever's going on, but is there anything about your partner that, that annoys you? No. Oh, come on now. Play fair. Play fair. I mean, how you know, the show's not long enough. We could start <laughs> now. We'd be going on until next well, year. Well, why are you with them then? Dump them. Get what? a new model. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not as simple as all that. There are things that you love too. It's just that for the sake of harmony. Yes. You know, one might want to have a frank conversation with someone and say, do you know what? Those socks that have been lying there for 28 years, it seems like now, is there any chance that they couldn't lie there anymore? Sorry, they, they are there for, they're there for a reason. What's your what, problem? What, what is the reason, Ian? Tell me. We, we know where those socks are when we need them. <laughs> they're too dirty to wear. Are you signing with my husband? Is that what we're doing here? Yes, I am. I, I'm going to cut you off now. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. She sided with my wife, I can side with her fella. It started off as a fun game. <clears throat> We've all played fun games with our partner, haven't we? And it's ended in tears. No, not quite as bad as that. But uh, we just started saying what was annoying about each other. It was a bit of <laughs> that thing when you, um, you leave your cups on the side, she said to me. You leave your cups on the side, don't put them in the dishwasher. That's so annoying. And I said, well, that thing when you move everything when I put them down is annoying. She said, well, yeah, that thing you do where you don't close the drawers is annoying. I said, OK, well, that thing where you don't feed the cat when it's your Turn to feed the cat is annoying. Ad infinitum. The next day we're still doing it. She's texted me this morning. Don't put your feet on the kids' table. Don't. Uh, just loads of things. So I'm annoyed constantly, but she's annoyed constantly. What annoys you about your partner? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Diana Parkinson is a relationship expert from Hertfordshire. Morning, Diana. Good morning, Ian. It started off like a fun game. Was, uh-huh. it, a, was it a dangerous thing to do? Um, it doesn't sound like a lot of fun. No, it's all. She's, she's texting. I've turned my phone off. She's texting me this morning. Another thing, you put your, your when you put cups on the on the side of the sofa. It's the arm of the sofa, Diana. There's plenty of room. Yes, I do understand that. <laughs> But, but go it's on. never good in a relationship if you're just concentrating on the bad. Yes. It's supposed to be concentrating on the good. I'm trying to remember what that is. Uh-huh. We, do, we all get annoyed, though, don't we? We all get annoyed. Of course, I love my wife, and she's the, one of the most important people in my life, along with well, my especially kids. especially if you're making this very public. I know. Well, she, she, doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't know about it yet. She's asleep. Yeah, okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, she'll be up with the boys. But, we, we, obviously, I love her. But we do get annoyed by really small things that, in the great scheme of things, are completely inconsequential, don't we? Why? How does that happen? Yeah, we do. I mean, it's really, and it's really sad because then something major happens and we realise we've been wasting our life moaning about something that is no no importance whatsoever. Uh, I think the thing about texting, do stop texting. I'm not a great texting fan because mm. things go wrong. It's much better speaking unless you need to text. But um, also with the predictive, uh, whatever, text, <laughs> things can go <laughs> extremely wrong. So I, I would say don't text unless it's something nice. 
I seek to try and, I know it sounds corny, but concentrate on the positives. I really like it when you do, or thank you for loading the dishwasher. Thank you for putting my socks away. You, you, want me, you, want, you want me to say that to her? Yes, I she won't be impo- you. Sorry, she... but both of you to be—it's to be thanking each other for the good things. Right, when you get home this evening, yes. both of you sit down instead of texting, make a list with pen and paper yeah. about the things that you like about one or you love about one another. Mm. Just the positives. You're not allowed to put a negative. Okay. Okay. She's it's got just, nice hair. Well, then that's such a lovely thing to say. I mean, it's always say nice. It's you know, it's graying. Shut up. Oh, sorry, that's not a very therapeutic thing to say. You don't say that. You just say, you've got nice hair. I mean, that's something lovely and touching and sweet. Yes. Okay, unless you want to head for the divorce court. No, I no. would stop. I couldn't afford it. And, and it's about concentrating on the nice things. And we don't, you know, and it's and being serious, it's really sad. We don't spend time saying good things to one another. Mm. I think it's something we tend to look for fault or we criticise. But a lot of it is, I think, we're irritated with ourselves rather than the other person. Oh, that's interesting. So we're, we're, we're really recognising faults in ourselves, but we're taking it out on th- our partner. Well, I think, I mean, not always, but I think very often it's things that we're actually irritated. Somehow we've got out of bed the wrong side, and, and so everybody feels, you know, the lash of our tongue. Usually, the, the, obviously, the people we're closest to. Yeah. So, you know, maybe, maybe your wife's sometimes tired and feeling under pressure and fed up with putting socks away. Yeah. Which is a normal thing, you know, in, in family but- life that... Things that go on forever were always tied. But why would up. she move my wallet and my keys? I know exactly where I've put my wallet and my keys. Why would she do? Why would she, she move that? Doesn't like where you're putting them. Now you Tough. need to ask her rather than text her and say, <laughs> "I don't like you moving my wallet and keys." Why do you, darling? Why do you move my wallet and keys? Well, she says I'm tidying up, but yes. but no, but they, it's tidy where I, Diana. It's tidy where I put them. I know where they okay. are. Okay. Well, you need to agree on the place then. Okay. <laughs> so you're going to. That them means she's won. If I you. agree on the place, she wins. Ah. Oh. Oh. Ah. Oh. Have we stumbled onto something? We have. Haven't we? Go on. <laughs> well. This is a battle, isn't it? <laughs> oh, somebody's got to lose and somebody's got to win. <laughs> Might be, so, yeah, and there's We're a problem with that. The nursery. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're good. <laughs> but, I, but I don't, I, on, on a serious note, I don't want her to win on this. This is, this is, this, let me, let me have this one. Oh, what, the keys and the wallet? The keys and the wallet, it's okay. so inconsequential, and, and I will put the lid on the laundry basket if she wants then. But yes, well, it would be good, but it, we're still back in the nursery, aren't we? <laughs> Tit for tat. Is, so, it, is it hopeless for me and Mrs well, Lee? No, it's not hopeless. I, I do think, honestly, yeah. do the list of only the good things. Right. Okay, when something irritates, instead of shouting or moaning, as we all do, yeah. it's saying, um, you know, I, I, I know that you're busy or rushed or whatever, but I'd really like you to put the lid on the laundry basket. Oh, okay. I really like it. It would be lovely. And if you're saying something, yeah. you know, if you, you're giving compliments as well, you want to please one another. If you're saying your hair's nice, I mean, that's such a lovely thing to your say. Your hair is is so nice, apart from the grain bits. Please don't no, move my no, keys. No, is that, no, 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 no. You've gone into, you know what you've done. Right, okay. Just the compliment, mm. just the oh. nice thing. Wow. It's courtship, it's flirting, it's, you know. You wouldn't walk up to a stunning girl and say... Oh, I really fancy you, except for your nose. Well, maybe you would. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how I got my wife. <laughs> ah, well. <laughs> I think that's how I wooed her. <laughs> that's the start of it. But you know what I'm saying. Yes, I do. It's about concentrating on the positives. 
Diana, and lovely things. I don't know if you're in a relationship. Yeah. <laughs> what, what annoys you about your partner? Oh, I'm not going to say Come on, that. give us, come on, come on, Diana, give us one. There must be one. Well, I think it's a good thing, actually. I think I'm very lucky. Oh, you are smooth. <laughs> Diana, lovely to talk to you. Thank you, Diana Parkinson, relationship expert and all-round smoothie. Wasn't she good? Um, we've got an email here. Ben from Buckingham. Uh, Ian, what really winds me up about my girlfriend? Oh, here we... <laughs> is that my girlfriend, she has to Sky Plus. She tapes all of these new TV shows. So I cannot record anything. Then hogs the TV watching them. So to ease the boredom on, I put my headphones in to listen to 3CR or a CD. I then get told off I'm being rude, but I'm not interested in the rubbish she has recorded. I sit there watching them, even though I'm bored stiff, but I just put up with it as I love her. My wife has, has bizarrely... In the last three or four months, dominated the Sky Plus. It's all full of um, Nigel Slater and Nigella and um, that Pascal woman and the Barefoot Contessa. It's all cookery programmes, which is, hey, you know, it's great, but I wanted to, um, to, um, to, to, what was that? There was a film on the other night. It wasn't Die Hard, one of the Die Hards, although, boy, am I excited about the new Die Hard film. Yeah, very. Uh, I, I wanted to tape something, and I couldn't because it was all full up. With Nigel Blumen Slater. Now, yeah, listen, Nigel Slater's fine. I love the, you know, his kind of meek-mannered way he recycles food. So the, 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 the food you had on Sunday lasts you until Thursday. Great, fantastic, well done. But when it stops me watching a Bruce Willis film, uh, that's pushing things too far. My whole um, the Sky Plus is full with Postman Pat, Mr Maker and Nigel Slater. That's not, that's not fair. It's me that pays the bills. But I will go home and tell my wife she has nice hair. And I will ignore the fact that it's greying slightly. I will ignore that. I won't say anything about it. I'll probably, my eyes will be drawn to it. How could they not be? 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. You can go to Facebook as well on this. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text. New policy here on this show anyway. I'm only going to read out texts and emails if they've got names on, please. Because we get so many that we have to wade through. I just think it's, it's, it's fairer if we know who you are. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. The thing I hate about newsreaders, oh, Catherine, yeah. no, is when they do the accent for the worst. They go, and earlier on, Prince Harry returned from... Afghanistan, and uh, <laughs> you know they do that accent, don't yeah. they? You do that a bit. I'm tempted to. You go Barnsley. <laughs> oh well, that wasn't me doing the accent. That's my accent. Yeah, but you don't you don't have an accent normally. Normally, you speak like a normal person, and then <laughs> a ba- normal person Barnsley. <laughs> Give us a Barnsley. Go on, Barnsley. <laughs> oh, she's sweet and common. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up in the last hour of the show before nine o'clock, before JVS returns, including the following. It was an exciting weekend for MK Dons and Luton Town in the FA Cup. They both won and both have home games in the fifth round. I'll be speaking to Managing Director of Luton Town, Gary Sweet, to find out how they'll be feeling uh, about the draw against Millwall. Some fans have told this programme they'd be a little bit reluctant to go. Also, where do you think is the best location for strip clubs? Bedford Borough Council wants to know. They may even ban them if you don't want them at all. And the first phase of HS2 caused controversy here because it goes through part of the Chilterns. Well, the government has just announced the next part of the route. I'll tell you where it's going and why it's happening in the next hour. Want to get in touch? Well, the best way is phone 08459 455 555. You can also text uh, 81333, start your text 3CR. Or 
or you can go to Facebook, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. BBC Three Counties Radio. 1989. The year the internet was invented. The B-52s were in the chart with Love Shack. The year that I had one of the worst haircuts ever. It's the year that I started getting the undercut. Now, the undercut, for those who don't know, is where you have it long on top, but it's shaved underneath so that the long bit kind of flaps over the side. I remember it well because Love Shack was playing in Marino's uh, down the Farnham Road in Slough. Um, And Margaret Thatcher was still Prime Minister, but the the most tragic thing was I had an undercut. It was also the last time a non-league side beat a top fleet time in the Cup. Until now. Here's the goal that sealed it for Luton Town. O'Donnell scampers down that left-hand side to the byline. O'Donnell has time, looks up, crosses, and in! Luton has scored! The substitute, Scott Rendell, tucks it into the near post. The Hatters fans go wild over on the far side. FA Cup sees the Minnows, Luton Town from the conference, needs Norwich from the Premier League, 1-0 with 10 minutes to go. Scott Rendell making history as Luton beat Premier League Norwich 1-0 to get through to the final 16 where they'll face Millwall. Also a great weekend for uh, Milton Keynes Dons. They play Barnsley in the FA Cup fifth round after beating QPR. We're joined now by Mark Chapman who is the Vice Chairman of Luton Town Supporters Club. Morning Mark. Good morning. I'll come to you in a second. I'll speak quickly to Gary Sweet who is the Managing Director of Luton Town. Morning Gary. Morning, and thank uh, you very much for making my ha- hair stand on end. <laughs> how exciting was it at the weekend? It was terrific, absolutely wonderful. I mean, you know, we, we sat um, obviously with the, um, uh, the, the the Norwich board and directors and um, looking over to the 4,000 Luton supporters on the other side of the ground just was, was an incredible experience for us. We wish we were a part of them, but it was amazing just to see them. Wonderful. I, I, I bet you didn't expect to win, did you? In all, all, all honesty... <laughs> In all honesty, we felt we had a chance. We always did. The team um, are very, very confident that they could get something out of the game. Um, more than likely, uh, you know, I think their, their highest accolade would have probably been a draw, but, but the win was quite marvellous, fantastic. Mark, you were with the fans. What was the atmosphere like? Absolutely superb. Uh, and as Gary just said, it was an absolutely brilliant advert for Luton Town and Luton Town Football Club. And hopefully it's the first step on our way back to the Football League. Do you think this is this, this this is one of the strongest teams that Luton Town have had for a long time? Well, they're proving it on the field. You know, it's taken a while, but you know the form over the last month or so has picked up considerably, as has been demonstrated by the cup run. And hopefully, we can continue that through for the rest of the season. Describe what it felt like when the goal went in. How uh, how was that? Well, I was sat with my son. Um, how old's your boy? He's fifteen. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, it was. Yeah, and it was a brilliant move of football. You know, it was probably the best move in the whole match of the game, and it came from the conference side. You know, Fleetwood put O'Donnell down through on the left-hand side, and it was a pinpoint cross into the box. And the whole stand just erupted, and there's no difference word for it. Um, it you know, I think that was highlighted by the fact that, you know, on 6.06 after the game, uh, they were talking about it, and as a Watford fan, was apparently in Norwich, and he couldn't work out which side had scored. He thought it was the home side, <laughs> because the noise was so great. Gary, you've said that the fans deserve this. What, what, can you describe what this result means to you and to the club? Well, I think um, primarily, we, you know, you said it earlier, that this, and Mark actually said it, that this, this should really springboard us into uh, better performances in, in the league. Um, we are a good side. The, the, the players that we have are terrific. Uh, are a terrific bunch of players. They're really very, very together. Very fully behind the manager. Fully behind the club. 
Um, and, and I don't think that the league performances have really truly shown that. I think we've, we've certainly performed on occasion, but we've now got, now got to go on a run um, in, the, in the league, and we're capable of doing that. That proved it on Saturday and against Wolves that we're certainly good enough. And I think for us, our immediate attention then goes to the Barrow game away next next Saturday. Okay, Mark, Mark you've, you've drawn uh, Millwall in the next round. Yes. How do you feel about that? I was happy, my requirements were any game at home or one of the real big boys at Liverpool, a Man United, obviously Liverpool went out, but a Man United or an Arsenal away. Um, so I'm really happy for that. You know, it's going to be a very, very difficult game. Yeah, they're a championship side, they should thrash us, but so should Wolves and so should Norwich. So there's an outside chance. Uh, and I think we could potentially make history by being the first non-league side since the Second World War to get to the quarterfinals. You mentioned the history. achievement that would You be. mentioned history there, Mark. There, obviously, there is history uh, between these two sides in the terms of the FA Cup. How do you feel about that? We've spoken to some people this morning who, are, uh, who were at the game in 1985 and are a little bit reluctant to go to this one just because the memory is so strong for them. Oh, to be fair, I was at that game in uh, 1985, and yes, it was a frightening experience. But hang on, let's give Millwall some credit. Millwall have moved on considerably since those days, and actually the problems in 1985 weren't primarily due to Millwall. They were due to the fact that the game was arranged, um, if, if people remember, there were three replays against Watford, um, and we came into the game with very, very short notice. So consequently, the ticketing arrangements weren't sorted properly, and consequently... There were a lot of idiots and the likes of Chelsea, um, Arsenal and Spurs came to that game with one sole um, ambition, which was to cause problems in Luton. Um, this time, the things will be totally different. The, ticket, the, the ticketing will be totally sorted. Um, uh, and, you know, Millwall themselves have made huge mm. strides since that particular time. So I've got no particular worries at all about that game against any other particular opposition. Good. Um, I'm, 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 listen, I'm hoping. It's 2013. It's a different world from what it was in 1985. And I'm hoping that everyone's moved on in football. They have, haven't they? Gary, everyone, we've, we've moved on from that kind of nonsense, haven't we? Well, we're two generations away from it. And, you know, Mark, what Mark said is exactly right. I was actually at the game two in '85. Um, and scary though that was, I think we've moved on as a society, let alone moved on in football. Um, I actually um, dug back and had a look at quite a few of the um, the memorabilia from from that game, including a few few clips from the news articles, etc., from from '85 last night, um, only because I wanted to remind myself of of you know of what a number of the supporters might be feeling. And look, I can categorically tell people that certainly the way we will go about managing this game will be professionally, we'll have um, the, um, the, the highest category of security. Now, that doesn't mean to say that's because we fear trouble. It's because we, we feel that we, we're able to manage to, um, to stem any of that. And within the ground, certainly the, the, and the environment immediately outside the ground, certainly, you know, the place will be a safe environment. And we'll have a meeting straight away this morning as soon as we get in. You know, everybody be involved and we'll have, um, have the police involved in that, and you know, as we normally would do with, with any big game. Um, and we'll treat this really no differently. Um, you know, and of course, we'll be in regular contact with Millwall starting from this morning and talking about how we sell tickets and how we manage the game is very important to us but nobody really should have any fears about it. Millwall have moved on I know Millwall very well, I've had um, quite a bit of contact with their commercial people 
they've done an awful lot of work to to, to convert Millwall, like Cardiff have done. Cardiff uh, two years ago won Family Club of the Year. It's an accolade Millwall are looking to looking to to replicate. Good. I, so I'm, they, I'm, I'm sure that we. That I'm, I'm hoping and I'm pretty sure that this match will go away, you know, pretty much scot free from trouble. And the next day we'll be going, well, wasn't that fantastic? Weren't we worried about nothing? Mark, very quickly, I'm not a football fan, uh, but I'm, I may well be coming to this match. This could be the first match I ever go to. Could you describe the magic of the cup to me? The magic of the cup is just the ability for the minnow to beat the giant. And it doesn't matter what form uh, of sport that you're interested in, that is always the occasion to behold. And, you know, let's hope. Um, but whatever it is, it's going to be a fantastic occasion for the football club. Prediction, please, Mark, scores? Um, what, for the next round? Th- yeah. Um, I actually think we'll get a draw on this one. I think it might have to go to a replay, but then let's see what we, how many we take to Millwall, because we'll take thousands down there as well. Lovely. Gary, prediction from you, please? I don't do predictions, but I'll tell you what, I'd like to see us in the quarter-final cu- um, round of the cup, and, and I, I've got every bit of confidence I think he will see it. Excellent stuff. Best luck. I might see you boys down there. This could be the first football match I ever go to. Dealey has, has uh, tricked me by asking the direct question on air. There's nowhere to hide when that happens. He's sneaky, but he's done it. I may well be going to that match. That's Gary Sweet, Managing Director of Luton Town, and also Mark Chapman, the Vice Chairman of Luton Town Supporters Club. Yeah, I, I think I got away- I don't know anything about football. I think I got away with that. A friend of mine tweeted saying, you should say the magic of the cup a lot, and um, you'll get away with it. <laughs> and I did and it works. Thank you very much, chap, for holding my hand and gently guiding me through that. 08459 455555. Are you a Luton fan? Are you bothered about this, this Millwall match? I genuinely think it's going to be fine. There might be a couple of idiots, but it's going to be fine, isn't it? Were you at the match in 1985? Has it put you off going to this? Hey, here's some good news, ladies, and indeed gentlemen, but mainly ladies of a certain age. I can see through two sheets of glass Jonathan Vernon Smith, he's back in the building. Now, listen, the reason I was giggling at the end of that rather serious news bulletin is because I mentioned sex entertainment, and Jonathan Vernon Smith, within seconds of walking in... I was just doing a little lap dance for you. uh, You were, though, and it was really inappropriate. Really? Yes. Well, I thought I might as well come back with a bang. You, uh, have you finished, um, I was going to say, I can't say that. Are you... (laughs) Let me phrase that. uh, Are you better? Um, yes, pretty much. Okay. You say pretty, still, well, you say pretty there's, much. There's still a there's still a ten percent, I reckon, okay. until I'm fully back to uh, to normal. Okay. But I, I'm uh, I'm pretty good, yeah. Okay. You know we're having um, photos taken today. Well, so I so I gather, yes. I uh, why have you not dressed up? Just <laughs> don't be me. Don't come you on. look very? I've come back, yes, and I came back for you mainly. <laughs> <laughs> not for those old dears that listen to your show. I I, I have uh, I have a large selection of audience. Uh, coming up at nine on the big phone in this morning, do you think HS, HS2's a good idea? Will you take this seriously, please? Why, are you, why are you giggling? <laughs> so Sorry, I was just, just remembering you uh, rubbing your nipples. Um, <laughs> well, you can say nipples on BBC local you, radio. Well, I you? don't you just have. Oh, gosh, this will be the test case. Uh, indeed, we're about to find out. Do you think HS2's a good idea? You've been discussing this HS2 business. Yeah, we have. Um, the, the Deputy Prime Minister has been saying he's right behind this idea. He thinks it's great. It's going to link the North with the South. 
dear. But of course, uh, lots of people, particularly in Buckinghamshire, furious about this. I want to hear, though, from nine this morning, do you think HS2 is a good idea? It looks, as you were saying earlier, it looks as if it's probably going to go ahead. Yes. I mean, I will do. Labour were behind it. Yeah. The Tories are clearly behind it as well. The Liberal Democrats seem to be behind it. So it's going to yeah. go through Westminster. It's going to go ahead. It's going through Westminster? No, I don't think it's going to go through Westminster. It'll pass. I'm it, sure sorry. many of the protesters would like it to go through yes. Westminster. It yes. may change their idea. Well, from nine this morning, I want to hear your views. Is it time that we just embraced it? We accepted that HS2 for the country is a good idea, mm. or do you think there are still very major concerns about it, and you think it's still worth fighting? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. We'll discuss that at nine. I when when I am fifty nine years old, I want to save fifty minutes off of my journey to Manchester because that's how long it's going to take for it to get into place. It's going to take that long, isn't it? Twenty thirty three that it, if it'll be it's finished. It's going to take a while. Twenty thirty two. Oh, okay. Sorry. When I'm fifty eight years old. <laughs> I'll want to shave 45, 50 minutes off of my journey to Manchester, so I think it makes great sense. Well, you might be working at Five Live at that point, in which case you'll probably be quite happy about that. I think I'll be working in Littles. <laughs> you reckon? <laughs> this isn't going to last, is it? Someone's going to see through this nonsense. Well, you never know. Keep doing what you do. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. I was being rude about Jonathan's clothes. I've just, he's actually, he's got a very smart jacket on. You can tell it's a smart jacket. Very posh lining. Very posh lining on his jacket. That means he's a man of taste. Sexual entertainment venues could be completely banned in Bedford in the next few months, according to the local council. A consultation has begun, asking the public where they would be happy to see a strip club or lap dancing venue. People also have the ability to say they wouldn't want one anywhere. Well, our reporter, Victoria Cook, has been to Bedford to ask people where in Bedford would be appropriate to have one. Milton Keynes. So, not in Bedford. There's enough pubs and clubs and everything here, isn't there? How would it make you feel? It wouldn't bother me, but I just don't see the need for it. Why not? Because it doesn't interest me personally, I suppose, yeah. I know them, not Bedford. <laughs> Luton, not Bedford. Yeah. No, I can't even think of anywhere, can you? Seriously. No, I wouldn't want it in the town centre. No. What makes you say that? Because I just think the town centre's got enough problems going through there at night. No, I don't think it should be here. I don't think it should be here. What makes you say that? The younger, the younger generation sort of taking an interest in that sort of thing and to be honest with you, um, Bedford has a notorious reputation for drinking at weekends, and I think it could tr- cause a lot of trouble as well. We d- well, as far as I'm concerned, I wouldn't want it here. Definitely, loads of people there, bring entertainment, I guess. You wouldn't want it in a residential area, because I don't think they would approve. So it would have to be where most of the entertainment is, keep it central. And how do you think people would feel about seeing something like that in the town centre? Uh, firstly, shocked. But I think it's just one of the things I get used to. Joining us now is Benedict Garrett. He calls himself a sexual activist. Morning, Benedict. Morning, Ian. What do you think about this idea by the council asking people, do you want one, where do you want it, do you not want one? Well, look, this is a strange world that we live in, and, and we're hardly surprised by the reactions. And if you, you know, if you're going to ask that question, you're going to get those sorts of responses. But this is the same society that we live in that allows in every single town and village in this country spires and steeples and domes to be erected where they will preach, for instance, that, that it's okay but for your virgin child daughter to be gang-banged by complete strangers... Well, no, 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 hang on a second. Well, 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 Benedict, 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 Benedict. ...than allowing homosexuality. Benedict, Benedict, first of all, we have to apologise. We can't say that that on the the, breakfast radio. Oh, sorry. No, no, that's fine. Apologies if anyone was offended by that. But also, churches don't say that's all right. 
Well, sorry, that is a that is a, a story from the Old Testament. It absolutely is. Yeah, but, no, but, church, no, but Benedict, come on, now you're being silly. The, the churches don't say that that's all right for for, for, for them to do. So it's, comparing comparing that to a uh, lap dancing club is ridiculous. You know it is. Come well, what, on. Well, okay, the reason I'm using the comparison is this. Listen, many people go to lap dancing clubs up and down this country, and they leave, and they 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 behave utterly responsible. And the vast majority of people do. The vast majority of people who go to churches and mosques and synagogues behave utterly respectfully. However, there are people who, yes, may leave strip clubs and may behave in a, in a way that's not, that's not particularly decent. Equally, there are people who go to churches, mosques and synagogues and leave, and, and as we've seen in the last week, believe that, that a belief in a mystical being gives them the right to judge others to sometimes the extreme where they'll go and harm and in some cases kill others. Now, if we're going to say that, we're going to you know, say, well, because of some people, because of the bad behaviour of some people, let's ban it. Now, strip clubs provide a service. They provide a simple service to people who wish to go and see it. They're not lying to people. They're not creating fairy tales. Well, quite often they are lying to people. people Quite quite often people are lying about where they're going. To to, to, you know, they're they're lying to their partners about where they're going. And that's and that's sad. And that's to do with dishonesty in a relationship. And that's a different issue entirely. You know, people might lie to go to all sorts of things. But the idea that we should say in in a in a whole town and Bedford's a decent sized town. I'm not. I come from not far from there, so I know Bedford fairly well myself in a whole town, that people should be deprived of a service which simply caters to a, okay, it might not be a need on the level of eating and breathing, but it is a sexual, you know, desire that people have, and it's a bit of titillation, and if they're adults and they choose to go to it, and they choose to do it in a responsible manner, and the women who work there are treated respectfully, and they choose to do it, then what is the issue? My issue is, in our society, we try and sanitise our society, and we try to remove from our society some, some the very real aspects of human character. I would far rather that in every single town and country, I wouldn't, I don't want there to be red light districts actually, because I don't want sex and sexuality and issues to do with the adult entertainment industry to be ghettoized and to be compartmentalized. I'd far rather we had it dotted around towns and around cities and people saw, okay, that's just a service. If people want to go and use it, they can, and it's there and it's in amongst all the other services that we have. We need to get real about human sexuality. Benedict, I, I don't want my lads walking past it. I don't want my two boys, three and one more. But what's that, Daddy? I don't want to. I don't want them to see that. Well, first of all, I, was, I would ask why you wouldn't want them. Because I don't want to expi- I don't want to explain to a three-year-old that some women take their tops off and wave their backsides in front of men's faces for money. I wouldn't want to explain that to them at the age of three. Well, you- you could explain it in a, in a, I would imagine, a slightly different way, but also I think that children are human beings and they, we, we don't need to wrap them in bubble wrap and they should be faced with the realities. But also, these businesses, you know, they don't, they don't have open fronts. You can't look into them. They have darkened out fronts. And then it's up to you to explain if you want to explain to your child. Or you can make up a lie like we often do about storks delivering babies. You can make up other lies about what happens in that business until they're at the age where you think they can accept it. But this is another problem in, in our country and one that I'm trying to fight against and trying to change, and it is changing, but it's how, how, how our whole attitude to sex and the way we do treat it in a childish and immature way, and that you'll find in the societies around Europe where actually adults speak very frankly and openly with their children about issues to do with sex, and when the kids do ask, oh, mummy, what goes in, on in that club, they'll actually be quite frank and open about it in a sensible way that's appropriate at their level, that in those societies, they have far fewer issues with things like teenage pregnancy and STIs amongst young people. So, if you don't want to talk about it well then i would suggest that might be a problem that you have as a parent no not at all relate to children not at all do you you really think it's uh, it's appropriate for me to tell a three-year-old boy what uh, what a lap dancing club is in whatever language you 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 think do you think that's appropriate of course it's not 
Yes, I think you would say it's for adults to go to enjoy to to enjoy whatever service they want to. Enjoy. Well, to, you, you, if you if you don't think it's okay at that age to say naked women, if you think that's inappropriate, then that's your choice, and you have whatever age. Personally, I wouldn't have an issue saying that's where men and women of a certain age go to if they want to to see naked women dance. Completely inappropriate have, to say that to a three-year-old. Completely I have any issue. Compl- Benedict, that's Why completely that inappropriate to, to to say that to a three-year-old, that, that that's where Why? men go in there and pay women to, to, to dance naked. Why is that inappropriate? That's just being... I'm not putting any judgment on that. I'm just telling the child what is happening. I want to have... When I have children, I have a foster son, and at some point I'd like to have my own children, if I can. I would like to be completely honest and open with them. I'm not putting a judgment on that. I'm not saying it's right for them to go into it. I'm not saying it's wrong for them to go into it. I'm simply telling the child what happened. I'm not giving them any more details than that. And that's... It's the same as if somebody is going into a pub and Listen, drinking. Listen, my three-year-old... Thinking, I, I, spent the, I spent the weekend trying to get my three-year-old to stop running towards... The the road and running straight in the road do you really think at that age if he doesn't know that if he doesn't understand that if he runs into a road he's going to get hit by a car how on earth is he going to understand what a lap dancing club is well he may not and as i say that's done to you and how you relate to your child and how you the level you think your child is at if, they, if you think they're not going to understand it then obviously you're not going to tell them you can you can just say well, it's just a business it's just a shop for adults to go to you can just leave it at that and he can understand that if you think your child is at the level where, where they will understand then i would say what is the problem explaining it at an appropriate level you know the same with a child running into a car you would say if you don't get hit by a car you're going to die you know some people might say oh we shouldn't be talking about death around children you know they need to know the reality of of things in society and if the reality is you walk past the business that's blacked out and they see people going in and they say what's going on in there you just say look it's for adults to go to if you want to expand on that and say where there are naked people naked women if you think that's appropriate that's up to you okay benedict we have to end it there benedict garrett thank you for that good fun i do have to apologize there was a word in there that may have offended some of you and i hope it didn't put you in uh, an awkward position if you did have young people uh, in the car with you or something like that uh, it's never our intention to offend on, on, on this show well offend a little bit but not necessarily by using uh, uh, language that's is perhaps inappropriate. So apologies uh, if that put you in an awkward position. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at nine o'clock. That last fella, he really made um, rugby sound like fun, didn't he? Neil Roy's brilliant. Great. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, here until nine o'clock, then JVS is back and he's raring to go. So he's chomping or indeed champing at the bit. I think both are acceptable these days. Uh, coming up in the last 30 minutes of the show, the government has announced the route of the second stage of the High Speed 2 rail line. There's already been controversy over the route for the first section of the scheme through Buckinghamshire. I'll tell you what's happening with Phase 2 next. And Hatters fans, how keen will you be to see Luton Town play Millwall in the fifth round of the FA Cup? I do think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fine, isn't it? I, I, I'm worried that we're part of the machine that is hyping this whole thing into a, oh, there's going to be trouble, there's going to be trouble, it'll be fine. What do you think? Am I being naive? 08459 four double five five double five. You can send us a text, 81333, starting your text 3CR, or you can give us a call, um, 08459 four double five five double five. Now, the government has announced the route of the second stage of the high-speed two rail line. There's already been controversy over the route for the first section of the scheme, which runs through Buckinghamshire because of the impact on communities and wildlife. Well, today, ministers will set out the planned route for the next phase of HS2, which will continue the £33 billion project from Birmingham to Manchester and Leeds. Joined by two guests now, we've got Cheryl Gillan, MP for Chesham and Amersham, who's strongly against HS2. Morning, Cheryl. Oh, no, you're on that one. Sorry, you're there. Hello. 
Hi, good me, morning, That was me <laughs> being an idiot. I'll be with you in a second. We've also got Tony Miles from Modern Railways. Morning, Tony. Good morning. Tony, what more can you tell us about the announcement that's been made today? Well, the, the first thing is, it uh, looks like the route's going to go through the Chancellor's own constituency, so he shares the, the, the pain and the discomfort of people who are affected by the first phase, and in that he's going to get people knocking on his door saying, look, is this really necessary? Yeah. It's not, not going to go past his house, though, is it? Well, I haven't seen the map yet, uh, so never know. I, uh, does he have the influence to make it go around corners? It, it's, it's why the old West Coast main, the, the old West Coast main lines all windy because people kept objecting to it going through their farms hundreds of years ago. So um, it, it's not a new problem. Um, the, 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 the challenge now is for building it in a way that is, makes as little impact as possible. Um, um, is, it, is it really needed, Tony? Well, we're looking at something, uh, you know, it's odd for me to say I agree with Nick, but uh, Nick Clegg has said we're looking at something that's for our children and our children's children. We're looking at something that's, that's going to be needed as, as life changes. We're not sure how much oil there'll be in 20, 30 years' time for lorries and domestic air, airlines and stuff. So we're looking at a way that can get passengers onto a new railway and free up capacity on the old railway so that we can use that for more goods and services and local travel and things like that. How controversial are, would you think the, the, the plans that have been announced today will be? I, I suspect, looking at the initial maps, probably on the, the, the left-hand bit of the Y going north of Birmingham is going to be the more challenging bit because it goes through um, Cheshire, which probably has the same sort of uh, demographic, that's a big word, but as, as in a uh, place in Buckinghamshire and so on, where, where people are very concerned about the route. I understand that the route through to Leeds they're looking at trying to use quite a bit of industrial wasteland and, and areas that were blighted uh, as our industries changed. So maybe there won't be as much of a protest from that. That Derby and Nottingham are already both saying we want the railway to come through our cities, please. Which you know we're already into people wanting zigzags all over the place. Mm. So it, it's it's finding a, a sensible solution. And if the railway has to go through areas that, that are beautiful or whatever, can we put them in tunnels or deep cuttings where the sound that, low though it is actually once it's built actually has a minimal impact what happens from here uh, well the, the thing now is first of all people are opening and looking at the maps today then they'll be looking at the the, the kind of compensation packages if their areas are, are affected or blighted in any way um th there'll be some people who'll be saying we want the railway nearer us that, that's what happened in france P places that weren't even going to get a station were saying we want to be associated with this can we have the railway nearer to us so it, it depends how we react over here and again we'll be looking at the plans that are in place to make it as environmentally sensible as possible and there are some people saying does it need to be quite as fast because the faster a train goes the more noise it makes and people are saying it's 250 miles an hour too fast maybe 200 the, the sound created will be lower it, it, would that lower the cost and, and make it uh, a more a sensible investment straight away and how likely is this that this scheme's going to go ahead it, it, it's pretty definite isn't it tony i think it i think it is pretty definite maybe very definite uh, because they are looking a long term we don't need it today we don't need it in the next five years we need it for long term and interestingly in your area a report just before christmas said that the existing west coast main line between watford and london which was never upgraded in all the work that went on 10 years ago is in a terrible state and needs a vast amount of work or it's going to fall to pieces mm. so they're already saying that bit's going to have to be closed for chunks every week for a long time uh, so, we, you know, if we can get the high-speed line as far as Birmingham built, we can free up stuff to mend that. Otherwise, we're going to have 
no railway at all if, if we don't start to get to grips with things. Tony Miles from Modern Railways, thank you very much. Cheryl Gillen, MP for Chesham and Amersham. How does it make you feel listening to all of that? Well, first of all, I just feel very sorry for all those people that are waking up this morning, um, knowing that their lives and their businesses are blighted. Um, in the same way as my constituents uh, have been by this project. And uh, there'll be a lot of people that'll be really surprised uh, and very worried and will continue to be worried over not just this year and next year, but for many years to come. The timescale on this project is absolutely vast. And uh, I hear all the arguments. I'm, I'm uh, not stupid. I understand we need to have modern infrastructure and we need to look forward to um, the, the latter part of this century and our future. But I have to still continue to ask, is this the right project in the right place at the right time? What are the alternatives? Well, I think, first of all, um, we should be looking very much as to where we're going to have our hub airport in the southeast and our airport capacity, because the government is always saying our future is trading with the rest of the world. You know, it's a global world, the world is shrinking, we must look outwards. Well, therefore, one of the key parts of our, our infrastructure is going to be where that hub airport is. So I would first of all get the Davis Review to report and decide then if we're going to have an integrated transport system that feeds into that very important airport um, that will link us um, to those Far East markets and those emerging markets. But I'd also then consider what, whether we should be starting this in the north because it's the connectivity between cities in the north which is so important. Um, it is the economy, the north-south, the north being the poorer of the two economies, of the two halves of the UK, that needs that stimulus. And if you're going to put money into it, I think you should be connecting those cities up. You should be looking at their connectivity eventually to London. But I certainly wouldn't do London to Birmingham first. I would have started at the other end of the country. What are people in your constituency saying to you, Cheryl? People in my constituency are still saying that this is a project that costs so much money um, that it's almost unbelievable as to where the money is going to come from. It's not going to benefit the economy now when the economy is in trouble. Um, and they don't believe that the benefits that have been outlined are going to come anywhere near our constituency, which is, of course, absolutely right, and many people will find this on the, the route of the why. There is no stop in Buckinghamshire. There's no benefit um, to our economy locally in Buckinghamshire. Um, and we are taking the major pain and burden. There's no proper compensation scheme uh, that has been announced. And we haven't even finished the environmental impact um, analysis and assessment. Indeed, the government still hasn't seen the outcome from the judicial reviews and the court cases that mm. are the first ones that have been taken. So I think um, their triumphalism in the way they're announcing this and saying this is marvellous and this is the solution to all our problems is very short-sighted at the moment. There's a long way to go, and my first thoughts are with those people that are waking up to find that they have got this line potentially going through their, um, their home, their business, um, their environment. Cheryl, you do sound uh, a little resigned to it this morning. Everyone we've spoken to said, well, this is probably definitely going to happen. Have you kind of accepted that fact and you, you, you realise that maybe this is a, a fruitless task you're on now? Well, I, I never believe there's a fruitless task because I think there's a long journey to go. So I'm still not moving from my, my, my original position. But what I have always said is if this does go through, 
um, then we've got to make sure that we have a protected environment and that people have the best possible compensation scheme. And I think that that is really important. But I'm afraid there's nothing written in concrete yet. There's mm-hmm. not even the bill through. However, I have warned everybody that this project is getting a life of its own. Uh, last week, or the week before last, uh, Douglas Okavy, the, the chief executive, tells me that there are now 1,500 people employed on this, 1,100 consultants and 400 civil servants. And they have two floors in Eland House, which is um, the transport um, building. And, you know, that's an enormous number of people that are already employed on this and the taxpayer is paying for. So it certainly does have a life of its own. But that's the danger with these projects, that they get a life of their own. Um, And I need to make sure and I need to hold government's nose to the grindstone that we are getting good value for money. Cheryl, listen, we have to end it there. Thank you very much. Cheryl Gillan, MP for Chesham and Amersham. She's strongly against the HS2. Well, after uh, nine o'clock, JVS, who is back, dear listener, if you just flicked on um, and you're wondering, he's here, which is very exciting. Uh, he's back with his big phone in today and he's asking, do you think HS2 is a good idea? Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. You can also send him an email, jvsshow at bbc.co.uk. I should flag up, by the way, that if you can get in touch with this show at any time via the email or on the Facebook, and if there are things that are happening in your life or in your street or in your town uh, that we're not talking about, and you think, oh, maybe uh, Ian could talk about this on his, his breakfast show, then do get in touch and we'll have a look into it. And if we think there's, if we, if we sniff a story, then we might send one of our reporters down to have a little chat. You might get to meet Justin Dealey or Victoria Cook. How exciting would that be? Uh, if you want to get in touch when we're not on the air, uh, Facebook, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR, or if you send an email, 3CR at bbc.co.uk, and if you put in the subject, just put Ian Lee or Breakfast or something like that, that means it comes to us, uh, so we get it, and not Jonathan Vernon-Smith, then I would be grateful uh, if you could do that. Um, Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Now let's get the latest weather. It's Sarah Thornton. Yes, thanks, Ian. It's all change, all change through the next few days. Still the windy weather. That stays with us until the end of the week. Ian. Sarah? Yes? Have you finished? I have, thank you. Thanks very much. Are you back tomorrow? Uh, no, no. Oh, <laughs> I'm what? here next Monday, though. We can do it all. Oh, again. OK. OK, well, I look forward to speaking to you then. Speak to you then. Thank you very much, Sarah. On FM, AM and online, BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, MK Dons will play Barnsley in the FA Cup fifth round after beating QPR, and Luton Town beat Norwich and will now play Millwall. The last time the two sides met at home in the FA Cup was in 1985, uh, when there was one of the worst riots in football history. Earlier on, I spoke to Gary Sweet, the managing director of Luton Town. He says we've got nothing to worry about. I think we've moved on as a society, let alone moved on in football. I can categorically tell people that certainly the way we will go about managing this game will be professionally will have the highest category of security now that doesn't mean to say that's because we fear trouble it's because we we feel that we we're able to manage to um, to stem any of that the place will be a safe environment and we'll have a meeting straight away this morning as soon as we get in you know everybody be involved and we'll have um, have the police involved in that and you know as we normally would do with with any big game um, and we'll treat this really no differently we'll be in regular contact with Millwall starting from this morning and talking about how we sell tickets and how we manage the game is very important to us but nobody really should have any fears about it Millwall have moved on I know Millwall very well I've had 
um, quite a bit of contact with their commercial people. They've done an awful lot of work to, to, to convert Millwall, like Cardiff have done. Cardiff, uh, two years ago, won Family Club of the Year. It's an accolade Millwall are looking to, looking to, to replicate. Well, this morning I've been asking, how keen will you be to go to the game? And football correspondent Justin Dealey is out and about in Luton. Justin, whereabouts are you and what's been happening? Yes, hello Ian. I'm at, uh, in Luton this morning, been at Luton train station. Lots of hype around this fixture. It's the first time Luton Town have got to the FA Cup fifth round since 1994. So a long, long time. And fans very, very excited. Ian, nobody expected that result of the weekend. Luton going to Norwich and beating them at Norwich, of course. It's the first time a non-league side have beaten a top top flight side in the FA Cup since 1989. So it's been an incredible weekend. Now, Justin, you know I don't know a lot about football. Mm. Was it, was it, uh, obviously it was a a convincing win in the fact that they scored more more goals than the other team. (laughs) But did they look like the stronger side? Well, do you know what? Anybody that was there, and my dad was there, he said to me, do you know what? We totally deserved it. If you listen to our commentary team on Saturday, they said the same. If you look at the ITV coverage over the weekend, they showed the game. Luton went there with a game plan, and they pulled off the shock of the round and they thoroughly deserved it nobody expected it but it's happened everyone absolutely delighted and i think that the most fans yesterday watching that draw they would have wanted the likes of manchester united mm. the likes of chelsea away because it's such a big pull we heard that they could from the tv and tickets they could have got a million quid if they played manchester united absolutely that's, that's incredible that's the game that everybody wants and of course uh, the Luton versus millwall game is a great tie to a certain degree because Luton can beat Millwall. They've already beaten Wolves, already beaten Norwich, so there's no reason why they can't beat Millwall at home as well. But I suppose the negative is everyone again is looking back to that fixture in 1985, those terrible events. But Ian, it was a long, long time ago. Uh, Lots of reaction has been coming in all morning. Here's some more. We start with Simon. We'll come to the Millwall game in just a second, but at first he went to Norwich on Saturday. He had a fantastic time. Take a listen to this. Uh, Simon, you were there on Saturday at Norwich. Just try and describe your day if you can. It must have been amazing. It was an absolutely fabulous day. Uh, myself, the wife and our three boys uh, took a trip up to Norwich to witness uh, history being made by uh, a wonderful Luton Town side. Credits to Paul Buckle, credits to the team. Absolutely fabulous. Credit also goes to the 4,000 Luton fans who sung their hearts out. Yeah. Didn't stop all day. It was absolutely brilliant. And, and again, fair credits to Norwich as well for, for clapping the Luton players off at the end for uh, showing their good sportsmanship. So, uh, so, so it was good. It was a good day. Great brilliant day. stuff. So everyone w- was thinking yesterday about the draw, maybe Chelsea away or Manchester United away, yeah. and you get Millwall at home. What's your reaction to that? Uh, it's a home tie. It's winnable. Um, it's uh, disappointing that any cash that the clubs earn up to this point is probably going to go on the police bill for the likes of our friends from the Boys in Blue at Beds Police and their counterparts from the Met and Cambridgeshire Police that are going to have to come along and, and police because of the... the the feeling between the two clubs. It's been a, a long, long time, and we've played Millwall many times since down here at Kenilworth Road. Uh, without incident, thankfully, fingers crossed. Hopefully, nothing, nothing on the day. Uh, but again, it's disappointing that yeah. that it's 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 money that could have gone to a better cause, like the youth development. And unfortunately, it's going to have to go on the police in the game for very good reason. But unfortunately, it's it's one of those things. But what happened back in 1985 won't put you off going to this fifth round tie. Absolutely not. Definitely not. I'll be there cheering on the hatters, absolutely left, right and centre. And uh, um, I won't be taking my children. 
for very good reasons. Uh, but I'll definitely be going to the. Uh, so to so the you top. would normally take your kids to, to to a home game in the league, but not this time. Not this time. Not taking the kids this time. Not not to see Luton versus Millwall. Should be a fantastic atmosphere, though. I hope so. I hope so. I hope the the, the nine and a half thousand Luton fans can get right behind the boys and give them a damn good cheer. <laughs> Philip, you're a, a massive Luton Town supporter. Uh, the tie yesterday, Luton versus Millwall. What's your thoughts on that? Thank God we won. I'm a bit worried about what might happen, but. This ain't the 80s no more, sir. Come on. Let's look forward to it. And a tie as well that Luton could win. They could progress to the course of finals. Exactly. Well, we should be. I went to Wembley once with Luton. I'd like to do it again. Well, Justin, interesting that um, chap there says it's not the 80s. Let me read you a couple of the Facebook mm. uh, comments that we've got. Law says, same, it's not the 80s. People should stop trying to make something out of it that simply isn't there. If you check your history, you'll see that Luton have played Millwall countless times since 1985 with little or no trouble. And Nick says, come on, it was 1985, nearly 30 years ago. Times have changed and we have played Millwall a fair few times since then. Doesn't help when some media bring up the past <laughs> trouble to hype it up. He's talking about you and me, Justin. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I can totally understand those points, but you heard from Peter earlier on in the first hour today. He was there back in 1985, yes. and he said that he would never, ever go to a Luton-Millwall game ever again. Mm. He's a massive supporter. Um, the events of that night had put him off going to Luton-Millwall. That's sad. Yes, it happened back in 1985, a long, long time ago. Yes, football stadiums, football fans, everyone. We've all come a long way since then, but people just will not forget what happened that night. It's not a case of, of the media stirring this up mm. as soon as that tie was made yesterday afternoon and again being brutally honest the first thing in people's minds was Luton Millwall back in 1985 what was interesting was that fellow the first fellow you spoke to saying oh it's going to be a great atmosphere I'm not taking my kids yeah I, yeah I think a lot of people again maybe will have the same atmosphere but again I'm going back to the 1980s here nothing has changed for, for massive games when I was a child I couldn't go to those big games because with the big crowds and everything else it just wasn't right for a young child now was very young back then to go to those games. Yeah, this is a huge game, and yes, Luton have played Millwall before in the league since 1985, but but those have been low profile. This game is such a huge, huge game. It's the fifth round of the FA Cup. Uh, so much money at stake as well. It is going to be hyped up. And let's not forget MK Dons, of course. Yeah, the MK Dons, a fantastic result for them at the weekend, again beating Premiership opposition. Uh, Queen's Park Rangers away. It was a fantastic result for them. All in all, with Luton, the MK Dons, yes, Yesterday with Oldham beating Liverpool, uh, also Leeds beating Tottenham, Chelsea almost going out to Brentford. It has been a magical weekend. I know you're not a huge no. football fan, Ian, but this weekend, trust me, it has been a weekend that people will remember for a long, long time. Well, I like to refer to it, Justin, as the magic of the cup. Yes, <laughs> it's I, the magic. I really and do. It, it's never gone away from me. You know, no. when, when I think about my childhood going to the FA Cup games, I saw Luton beat Liverpool. Um, I've seen all the big ties down the years, and there's always something. If you speak to any any football fan yeah. anywhere across the world, they'll always say to you about the magic of the FA Cup. The magic you just of the Cup. cannot beat it. Can I ask you a question, Justin? Of course you can. Like, mano a mano. Let's pretend we're not on the air. Yeah. Okay, right. Uh, you know, I, I've got a lot of respect for you. Yeah. You are definitely one of the top 15 people working on this show. <laughs> okay? You're somewhere in there. I'm not going to say where, yeah. so I don't yeah. want you to get no, big-headed. Number 14. No, well, not that quite yeah. that high. Yeah. Now... <laughs> You, you, you do these excellent reports and we speak to you sort of once an hour for about five minutes and, and during that hour we're not speaking you get these two minute little vox popses. Mm. What do you do for the other 58 minutes? Um, I eat lots of bacon rolls, drink lots of coffee, th- th- those sort of things. <laughs> Why? <laughs> 
It's <laughs> <laughs> just curious. Let Justin, come back to the studio. I'll speak to you later yes, on. Yes, thank you, Ian. Thank you very much. Justin Dilly, always doing excellent stuff. I'm teasing him, of course. He does a cracking job and he gets the stories that uh, no one else manages to get. Well, what do you think? Is, uh, this football... I do think, look, it's 2013. The football hooliganism of the 1980s is a long way behind us, in this country anyway. Isn't it? You, it, it still flares up. You still get examples of it from time to time. You still get idiots like that ball boy last week. Oh, he still got me angry, that ball boy. Charlie Morgan or whatever his name was. But the, the riots and the, the violence that we kind of associate with, with the 80s and with Millwall in the 80s, that's long gone. And yes, there'll be one or two idiots, of course, and there might be a little bit of trouble, but it's not going to be anything like that. It may well be the first ever football match I go to, unless I can come up with an excellent excuse not to go. At the moment, my diary is empty. It's kind of pretty empty all the time, but it, it may well be my very first football match. I'll be mixing with all you lot. Oh, I say mixing with you lot. I'll probably be in the press box, protected by thick uh, two-inch glass. But you never know. Well, there we go. There's something to think about, isn't it? Look, the show's drawing to an end. I'm whittering on like an idiot. So there we go. I always find the Monday shows the hardest. You've relaxed after the weekend. You've suddenly got a kind of... And I think we did a, a, a pretty good one, didn't we? It was half decent. Be better tomorrow. Back tomorrow at six. Stick around. He's back. He's better. It's Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, beds, hearts and bucks. Welcome to the JBS show. Thank you, Ian. 